Albuquerque's macro aggression, Eddie Aragon, the rock of talk. Five here on this Tuesday afternoon. I'm Eddie Aragon, the Rock of Talk on AM 1600 KIVABQ.FM, rockoftalk.com, 550-5500 is the number you want to call in or text in this afternoon. Three short hours until we conclude this evening's voting, and this primary will finally be over. And uh, I think uh, I speak for both Dowd and I, and thank God uh, we got to get through this uh, sort of bloody battle within the family, and then we'll go outside the family and have a little bit more after that. We appreciate those of you who are so complimentary about our uh, D-Day broadcast, which I think is important because we don't have very much longer to go in terms of uh, these D-Day broadcasts, uh, folks. I mean, the greatest generation, folks, they are about to retire uh, permanently. I think there's only about a handful of them, you know, really sort of that are left out there. And um, I think it's important for all of us to honor that day here in our history because without that, we wouldn't have elections and a number of other things uh, as well. I appreciate uh, everybody uh, for tuning in here on this election day. Uh, we've got a lot to uh, catch up on and get to, and then we can finally end up getting to news. I got to tell you something about these elections. I think that's so important. And I think you should know it's an occupational hazard of both uh, Dow and myself is the uh, almost requirement uh, for us to cover this stuff when we don't want to. Uh, all the mud and everything uh, that is slung and the things that are talked about. And I went very hard at Rebecca Dow on Friday. I, I, uh, I wanted to make sure that everybody knew where I stood with that after the KOAT fact checks. Uh, the conservative Mexican even picked up on it as well. Who you matter I mean, who you vote for matters. It needs to be said over and over and over again, because the reason why you have the gas prices the way that they are, Joe Biden, well, maybe you didn't vote for him, and maybe I don't. Maybe a majority of people didn't vote for him. I still think there's a remarkable amount of election fraud, but there's. Uh, it, I don't like to talk about election fraud oftentimes, and the reason why is I think we almost suppress the vote. So many people say, well, what do I need to vote for? It's already spoken for. It's already, you know, taken place. No, we've got to continue to turn out to vote, uh, regardless of however this comes out. We'll focus our best on election integrity. One of the things that, uh, and folks, everybody knows how I feel about Donald Trump, how much I love Donald Trump, and I think he's the greatest president in the history of this country, but he is a huge liability for us moving forward. One of the things that he could have done uh, with while he was actually at the helm, I got to tell you, uh, he could have uh, cleaned up the election process during that time. He had three and a half years to do it before it got done, and here we are chasing our tail yet once again. So you can find us on Roku TV, Amazon Fire, and Apple TV, and always uh, on our apps at Rock, excuse me, RockofTalk.tv and RockofTalk.com, and don't forget to subscribe directly at rockoftalk.chat uh, hour one election day no fun for d-dowd muska he hates it uh, but he did sort of uh, throw out a, a pretty good uh, story that was in the queue for some time uh, one of the most uh, entrenched people but i think it, he has identified the characteristics of the sleaze of New Mexico. Really, you know, the bottom of the shoe, the worst of the worst, the bottom of the barrel. And we'll, of course, get into that. Dowd, how are you doing this afternoon, sir? 
Uh, I'm well. I'm like you, Eddie. I think uh, I'm a little pleased that after today, at least, we'll be, uh, be we'll have one election over. Uh, a lot of people who don't know much about politics don't know that there's actually two elections every election cycle, where you've got to get your your candidates, and then you get to your general uh, after you're done with the primary. Um, I'm happy that the focus will be, no matter what happens in the GOP gubernatorial race, the focus will be, as it almost always is when there's an incumbent. Uh, what, how people feel about the incumbent, and it won't be about, like you said, the the, the internecine warfare of the Republican Party. I think whoever the nominee is uh, in a state that's had the highest unemployment rate for six months in a row, in a state that had old people standing out in cold lines waiting to get in to buy food in the winter, uh, I think that uh, there's a lot of reasons, a lot of good material that that Republican nominee can take to MLG, and uh, I I think that candidate is going to be very much in this race in November. It's going to be close one way or the other, but as long as we keep the focus on the, the the horrific nature of the incumbent. I, I can't say she's the worst in New Mexico history because I haven't studied who was governor in the 30s and 40s. Uh, you know, I know there were some bad territorial governors, but uh, certainly in, in our lifetimes in the modern era, the worst governor in New Mexico history. And the more we make about it, MLG, the next, uh, let's see, what do we got? Five months? Uh, the greater the chance that we can get her the hell out of there. Well, Dowd, I'm going to step in and I'm going to not just say that she is the worst, but she is the worst by far. Um, and I mean this in all seriousness. I wish I could actually smile and laugh about this, but I have uh, been involved in um, a number of different conference calls. I've been listening to people from corporate uh, uh, radio companies from across the country. And these woke ass, broke ass people who continue to get their money from the federal government, either through PPP or through all of the uh, various channels so that they can do their propaganda. Pizza Hut, the latest of those. Uh, and all of these you know, people who are presidents of these networks, and they're big networks, networks you have heard of, ABC, NBC, CBS, um, a, a big provider of that. Uh, this woman got on her corporate sales call, <clears throat> and she said, It doesn't matter if gas is $10 a gallon, people are still going to go ahead and be traveling. Now, I can't think of anything more out of touch. Uh, I don't know, has anybody sort of been scared to travel even down the street? Has anybody like contemplated at any point, well, I can't do that today because I don't want to waste gas? If you're that person, you're normal. You're a real person with real bills and real responsibilities, and you don't live in this ivory tower vision of the world. Folks, not everyone's out there buying these uh, non-gas-guzzling uh, type of, uh, of vehicles, nor can they afford it because they're priced out of it. And if you actually do the cost average of a Tesla, you'll find that it, it, that 5 6 $7 is already baked into that. In fact, if those older Teslas, the Teslas that have sold, They've sold for 10, 15, 20% more than the new Teslas that are currently rolling off the lot, folks. Okay? The level of stupidity in this country, but more importantly, in this state, cannot be overstated enough. Now, let me tell you, okay? When we get to Michelle Lujan Grisham, why she is the worst. And this is where we get to hang her on that. Uh, by the way, um, 
if you could, um, Eric, on the board, just slightly lower uh, Dowd's mic to 15, and he comes through nice and nice and good. Dowd and I are actually using the same exact mics today, so I know that I'm coming in pretty loud uh, as well. But you kind of want to kind of put it at that at that level for Dowd and I. We have advanced technology, and it does pick us uh, pick us up um, on these uh, levels, which is pretty cool. Now. The Energy Transition Act has to be something that a Republican nominee, very likely going to be Mark Ronchetti today, but get out there and vote uh, here for these last three hours. Okay, it's going to likely be Mark Ronchetti based upon the polls, based upon the turnout, based upon everything. And you're going to have to attack her on the meat and potato stuff. Nothing is more meat and potatoes. Nothing than gas prices. And we were the first ones to adopt the Energy Transition Act. That is Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's Green New Deal. And it has to be stated that way. Unfortunately, we have the low-information voter, people who don't understand, but they do understand what they've heard. They know that if we repeat it enough, that we can bury it in their heads. I don't know how much more we can possibly take of this because at the top of the hour you heard that the national average is now eclipsing five dollars we're at 493 it's up another nickel i, I hope I, I think i got those numbers right if you don't mind uh, double checking those triple uh, a national averages uh doubt this is sick and insane for you to drive to work, which on average, and I think in the state of New Mexico, the average trip to work is like 11 and a half, 12 miles, uh, roughly. And let's say you use a gallon of gas to go to and fro. Um, you're probably trying to plan your day far more efficiently. And they're going to say, oh, well, that's good. See how much more efficient we made you because you had to think about the price of gas? No. The problem is, is we cut out Keystone and XL pipeline. That was post-ETA. We drive the third most number of miles in the entire country here in the state of New Mexico. Everyone has places to go. So many people are government dependent. And you can't turn around and hand somebody $1,500. Oh, here's $250, $750. Well, the only people are going to be getting are those people who, who, uh, who basically file their taxes. What if somebody uh, was in a bit of a little bit of a tax trouble and they had to go ahead and file an extension and they said, okay, well, we're trying to kind of get everything because, I don't know, my mom had COVID, my mom's mom had COVID, everybody was sick, we've been going through this entire time. Like, think about the regular meat and potatoes uh, kitchen table conversations. We can't even talk about a kitchen table anymore because no family is even around to actually have those discussions. They're going to say, well, why don't you turn around and uh, ride the bus? Or why don't you decide to go ahead and find some sort of other means of transportation or carpool? The more you let these people sell to you these ridiculous workarounds, the more you're advancing Michelle Lujan Grisham's cause, okay? And her cause is no doubt to destroy energy in the state of New Mexico. No, not green new energy and taking a moonshot and making things better. No, it is to destroy oil and gas the same exact way as Joe Biden. And that's exactly what he said he was going to do. We knew that we were ground zero from the beginning. Now, who knew it? Well, not the regular normal people who watch 4, 7, and 13, who are dumbed down, who are too stupid to pay attention to real news, who don't actually like to think. Uh, meanwhile, we're spending $39 million somehow in the month of May on pot, a record. I, I doubt there's ever been a state that's ever started stronger. 
on a per capita basis when it comes to purchasing pot than the state of New Mexico. But we, we have plenty of money for that. That's what people are going to be spending their money on because they're not going back. They're not going back to work. They're not going back to school. They're deciding to go ahead and remask up. And in fact, you're seeing all of that happening today. I'm getting lots of texts from you saying, yeah, I went out today and I'm seeing more people in masks than I've seen in three months, in six months. I'm seeing more people in restaurants right, right now wearing masks. They want to go back to this, folks. These people are just stupid enough to do that very thing. And this is all at the tutelage of Michelle Lujan Grisham. So we all have to get behind our Republican candidate for governor, likely it's going to be Mark Ronchetti, okay? And I don't care where it is, oh, I have a problem with him with this, or I can't see him doing that. The man has run an ice-cold, no-mistakes campaign. And he's out there raising money. And it's going to take every single one of us to remove Michelle Lujan Grisham from office on the fourth floor. And I know that we can do this. I know that we could all fall in line. I think the Democrats are starting to do that. They're leaving in droves. She's scared. She's up in town. She's at the veterans launches. She's trying. You have to understand that we are not going to have a state after this election cycle. We will not have a state. And you, f you can say whatever you want about the weatherman or, you know, he has no substance or what. I don't care. You are going to get behind Mark Ronchetti. And I can tell whether or not you love or hate this state based upon the fact that you are supportive of the alternative candidate for governor of the state of New Mexico. And I'm going to take this a step further. And I don't care about you libertarians out there and, and doubt included on this one. Okay. I'm just going to say this because I do care about doubt, but I care about... Our libertarian small L's out there are likely going to be more apt to vote for Republican than they will the libertarian candidate. Because the libertarian candidate and, and Karen Bedoni, and if she wants to come at me, fine. She is going to be the spoiler because we're going to come out to this small of a margin for all the gunslinging and the Second Amendment, Trump-loving BS and the stuff that she's been do doing out there. If she stays in this race and the libertarians stay in this race... They are going to prevent us from getting the fourth floor. And for me, that'll be the most unforgivable thing that the Libertarian Party. I will go at them with the, the biggest machete, the biggest blade, whatever it possibly can be. I cannot live in a state. We're fighting for our survival. I cannot live in a state that has Michelle Lujan Grisham as governor for the next four years. And I know Dowd can't sur survive that as well. And more importantly, you can't survive it. Think about what is at stake. Okay, I certainly hope my candidate Greg Zanetti gets through. I really do. I think he would be one of the best leaders for the state. But as you heard him on Friday's broadcast, regardless of who comes out, he's going to get on board with this. And for all you Republicans who are saying, oh, the corrupt. You know what? Jay McCluskey's run a uh, fantastic city council uh, races. We worked against each other during that entire time. We all need to start focusing on thinking about November and what that means and what the future of the state is going to be. And I think the only way that we do that is we start sounding the alarms and talking about how bad it has been because this has been a telegraphed punch, literally a telegraphed punch for the last four years when AOC came in. If you want to stop AOC, you want to stop her from becoming the next president, and she will be 35 years of age. There's, she will be 35 years of age. She can run for president of the United States in 24. Look it up, folks. Okay? 
She is going to be on that ticket. And with all the transgenderism, the woke-ass, broke-ass stuff that's going on here in the month of June with this uh, LGBTQ, you know, I, I got to tell you, the, the ridiculousness that's being pitched out on, on social media right now, you know, and I don't keep up with it, but you can just see the way that it's just softening everybody's brains right now. And I got to tell you, folks, we got to do our best to put our best foot forward and make sure that we get behind whatever the opposition is because we've been too busy, divided amongst ourselves. 550-5500, that's 550-5500 here in the Akiva this afternoon. And um, I think it's always important for Dowd on behalf of the <coughs> libertarians out there, uh, although he's not on behalf of him. He's a small L versus a big L. Dowd, explain the difference uh, between <laughs> that and, and uh, um, if you could sort of reassert my uh, point there. Yeah, I, I mean, libertarians are what the founding fathers were. They were they were government minimalists. They believed in the sovereign individual. Uh, they did not. I mean, obviously, they might have had little differences here and there. They thought that government should exist primarily at the state and local level uh, with a very small, centrally focused federal government with, with enumerated powers in terms of what was listed in the Constitution. That's basically what, what Phyllis, they were philosophically libertarians. Uh, the Libertarian Party, of course, is a political party, a third party, uh, an alternative to the Republicans and Democrats. A sociologist named, uh, I believe he was a Frenchman, named Duvarger, uh, many, many years ago, he figured out why third parties seem to fail so badly in the United States. And it's because we don't have proportional representation in our legislatures. For example, the United Kingdom if you have a, you, that's why you can have six or seven parties in some of these countries where if your party gets 11% of the vote in election, you get 11% of the seats in the parliament or the legislature, you know, whatever that body is called. In America, we have the winner take all system. So you can have seven or eight people running uh, in one district, but whoever gets the most votes doesn't have to get 50%, gets, represents the entirety of that district or that state. So basically, there's no, there's no vehicle, there's no mechanism by which a third party can ever really, uh, uh, gain any kind of political power. Every so often, a, a third party will come along with it with one particular issue, uh, and they'll be influential. They might st take a, a portion of the vote and hurt one of the other two parties, but, but usually one of the two dominant parties grabs the issue that that third party cares about and makes it their own. So if you just, this is just a lesson in political history, basically. We have ma majority or plurality rule, uh, single district, single state representation. The math coalesces behind a two-party system it's not so much i know there are ballot issue there are ballot issues and sometimes they try to keep third parties off the ballots but it's not about some conspiracy it's just about the simple math and the simple uh, mechanism by which we elect people it's called duverger's law d-u-v-e-r-g-e-r -E -E and i will put a link to it in the show notes today so the more you know about duverger's law the more you know that third party participating in third parties is really a waste of time i don't give money. I don't belong to the Libertarian Party as a political party. I think that liberta philosophical libertarians should do what Rand Paul and Thomas Massey have done, which is hold your nose and go fight within one of the two of our two-party systems. Uh, for them, it was the Republican Party. Uh, one of them is a congressman from Kentucky. One of them is a U.S. senator from Kentucky. They are unashamedly, unapologetically libertarian in terms of their philosophy, but their partisan identification is Republican. Um, Mike Lee out in Utah is pretty libertarian-ish. A former congressman in uh, Michigan, uh, Justin Amash, uh, is and was uh, libertarian-ish, but he ran as Republican as well. So I, 
if you're talking about a pear versus an apple, which I think is what we've seen in most elections uh, uh, in recent history, I, I, I do tend to not vote. I don't care. We have suffered from the last couple of years a cultural Marxist revolution in our country. Uh, we had a horrific moral panic over a germ that really didn't pose much danger to most of us. I think that those conditions have created the reality where I'm much more open to voting for one of the two parties. I endorsed Donald Trump in the Palm Beach Post in Florida in a swing state in 2020. I voted for Donald Trump in 2020, something I thought I would never do. I am leaning toward backing the Republican nominee here in this state because things are so bad. And my uh, LP friends can call me a turncoat and call me every name in the book, but just do the math, folks. Um, and I appreciate what Eddie's saying. I don't want to be one of the uh, votes. And this happened in the state of Nevada. It happened in the state of Washington, right, where, where right. the Libertarian Party exactly. uh, actually got enough votes. Uh, in 1998, I was living in Nevada. The Libertarian mm -hmm. nominee got something like 8,000 votes. Harry Reid was reelected with 400 votes. So it's very yep. likely that the Libertarian candidate in that particular race did take more away from the Republican than the Democrat. It, it's not always the case, but you can cite examples in history. We live in extraordinary times, and I think it's time for even a, a purist like me to hold my nose and, and vote for the GOP nominee. Um, I like, I like, and I appreciate Ron Ketty, the professionalism of his race. I think you're never going to beat MLG unless you have a tight, tight ship. It looks yes. very much like he has a tight ship. And what I've seen from Ron Ketty, and I'm willing, to, I'm willing to walk away from Ron Ketty if he goes left in the general and we start seeing ads about we need to pay teachers more and let's give more money to Hollywood. I, if, if that mm -hmm. happens, right. I, I'm going to exactly. walk away. Yep, yep, but yep. that hasn't happened yet. It hasn't happened yet. And my ears are really perked up. I'm going to be looking at his messaging. Uh, if his messaging stays true to how he ran in the primary, Eddie, I, I think I see myself voting for Ron Ketty in November. Yeah, I don't think that there's any big question at all. Uh, Karen Bedoni, uh, not coachable, uh, finished up third in the third congressional district, then decided to run. You know, you have Alexis Martinez Johnson up north. I mean, that's all sorts of crazy uh, up there. We have Michelle Garcia Holmes. I mean, failed candidate after failed candidate who just isn't going to go anywhere. And we have to perform at a at such a high level that the execution is easy. And th by that, I mean, you've got to stay disciplined within your campaigns. We have these candidates that are all over the board. You don't know where they stand on certain issues, and they jump in front of every single thing that will advance their political career. And you don't have a career, Missy, if you haven't raised any money. That's the name of the game. That's the name of the game. And, and by the way, Rebecca Dow, you don't have a political career unless uh, you, you're raising some serious money, but unless you actually come clean on your peccadillos in the, in the past. And those things actually have to do with those legal triangulations that aren't going to work. And I can tell you right now, the future of the Republican Party is not Rebecca Dow. The future of the Republican Party does not belong to her. It does not belong to other people uh, that, that have been out there, certainly not to Jay Block, uh, given the way that he ran his campaign against everybody else. I think we can put the epitaph both in Jay Block and in uh, Rebecca Dow with the way that they have uh, conducted themselves. It was, it was a ridiculous display, which is why I took that debate off when they decided that they just wanted to go ahead and talk about corruption and corruption. Like what, corruption in the Republican Party? You've got a guy that's never even run for anything except for Senate and almost beat Lujan, but somehow that's corrupt and you made a phone call to the very campaign manager? Like, come on, Jay, pull your head out of your ass. I mean, you, at some point, you're going to have to realize that it's not about you. And 
J Block, it's all about him. Rebecca Dow, it's all about him. Ethel Maharge, it's all about her. There's no doubt about that. She thinks that God's calling her to go ahead and run. This is crazy, folks. Hey, by the way, Dow, uh, hey, Eric, we do have to turn uh, Dow down just a little bit more. So just so you know. Uh, wherever he's at on his deal, so um, and, and just final final point about uh, sure. about the professionalism of a Ron Ketty campaign. You're going to have to run a perfect campaign to beat MLG. Uh, I was looking at uh, some campaign finance uh, documents online when I was writing the piece for finishing off the piece yesterday. You can hate Ron Ketty all you want. He raised more money than the other four candidates combined. That's the kind of operation Twice he over. has, and Twice you're going to need you're going to you're going to need to. I, I hate to say it, but it's just reality. You're going to need that kind of professionalism to run against the behemoth that is Minnie Mao. Absolutely. All right, let's cut to break. We appreciate everybody tuning in here on this election day. Thank you, Eric, for uh, doing that. We're just getting lots and lots of uh, stuff as we're working through here on our audio uh, here this afternoon, right here in the Kiva. Back and four. On AM 1600 KIVA, ABQ.FM, rockoftalk.com. That's rockoftalk.com. Uh, some of the comments coming in, uh, they are, they love the commentary today. No, it's just like we're finally at a point where we can really start to tell people exactly how it is. And I think that's, we try to kind of uh, keep the gloves on for the most part during this primary, not to bloody people up. But Rebecca Dow and Jay Block absolutely have no value for anybody, uh, and Alpha Maharaj for anybody but themselves. There's no question about it. I think between the, th the, the three of them, they won't probably come up with 35% of the uh, vote. I think that third of the party needs to go ahead and remove itself from any leadership positions uh, moving forward. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in back and forth right here in the Kiva. 440 here in the Kiva. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in here on this election day. Uh, Dowd's got a very good microphone, so do I. And uh, we, we do love Ruby Tuesday. A little Rolling Stones here. Uh, what's the occasion here on uh, Dowd's Daily Blast? That's coming out from the uh, Rock of Talk Blast, uh, by the way, rockoftalk.chat. Uh, become a subscriber, and uh, let's get uh, what is the Rolling Stones uh, uh, references from Eric today? Uh, actually, uh, it says they were booed off stage at a gig in San Antonio in 1964. Most oh, there you go. The act the Stones were brought back to perform. Okay, yeah, that was your cue there to uh, test out the unmuting of Dowd, by the way. He, we couldn't hear Dowd. We were waiting for Dowd to go ahead and say that. But uh, there's Eric, nonetheless. Trying to get all the, the members of the team uh, in here. We appreciate that. And Eric doing a good job. Uh, we've got some pretty cool technology that we've been working on uh, as well. 550-5500 if you want to go ahead and text in. Uh, a lot of people texting in telling me who they're voting for today here on this election day. A lot of Zanetti support, obviously, from the Kiva. Here we go. Ron Ketty got my vote. Um, again, you can you can go ahead and, and hit that, Eric, until I call on doubt, if you don't mind. So you got to be on the ready there for that. Hey, Eddie, I just gave up a good job in Santa Fe, but the problem was it was so far out to Cerritos, and it took so long for me to drive there and cost so much in gas that I couldn't justify working in Santa Fe anymore. So now people are losing their jobs. Also being on call maintenance, the gas prices were just eating me alive. Had to fall back and get a job that paid less in Albuquerque, but overall, I'm actually making more per hour. Well, that's good. I'm glad you're staying closer to home. Uh, let's not forget, it was uh, I think it was Olivia Padilla, the uh, 
budget secretary who resigned and she stated that Santa Fe uh, was too far for her to go. Imagine how she would feel now, especially being a little bit uh, crossing the I's and dotting, uh, yeah, uh, dotting the I's and crossing the T's and taking that $5 trip up there. Does, do Democrats not care about gas? I got to ask that. Uh, when you factor in travel time and cost and wear and tear on a vehicle and the price of everything else going up, it doesn't make sense to have an hour and a half away, no matter how good it is. How is it going to impact the people of Los Alamos? Can you imagine? The problem is everything being made in China makes fuel costs a major choke point and a point of control for the globalists. And this is why you don't offshore everything, because it allows centralized powers to be able to turn off the spigot too easily. And let's not forget, folks, uh, when it comes to OPEC, they're more tied in with Russia and more sympathetic towards Russia than the Mideast would love nothing more than to see uh, you know, the United States uh, economy crater. They really don't care. Um, regardless of, of you know the number of 3,000-foot buildings that they could build, uh, they don't need our money to do that. They can do that all on their own, the people from Dubai and Saudi Arabia, uh, etc. When you saw the cascade of events occur in Santa Fe when Hillary lost the election to Trump, that should have been a big sign that New Mexico was going to be on the wrong end of everything that goes on in Washington, D.C., Plus the fact that Michelle Lujan Grisham had to go to Washington, D.C. to get married. Ooh, that's starting to echo. I like the way that sounds. I'm glad you're picking up those pieces. So what was that about the suspicious? I have questions. I would literally vote for the corpse of Jeffrey Dahmer if I could get Lujan Grisham out. We don't have the luxury of being small libertarian right now. We need to do a rap song called Woke Ass, Broke Ass, Eddie. And when you have a government such as we have here in New Mexico that is so horribly parasitic to its constituency, I don't think small L or big L libertarianism is going to be enough to steer it away from the glacier of communist Marxist socialist collapse here in the state of New Mexico. Great commentary, by the way. This is from me being halfway to being an anarchist. And when I'm saying we probably need to stick with whatever big Republican we can grab a hold of you know there's a big problem <laughs> a cartel marxism revolution did dow just say that yes he did i voted for zanetti I remember the morphing of Congress members facing morphing into Clinton in 1994, Eddie. At minimum, morph MLGs face into Biden. Whomever wins the GOP primary, I will vote for in November. They've got my vote, no doubt about it. And this will be a fight to the death. Voted Greg Zanetti. I'm curious about your opinion on a race that I can't even vote in, and that is for Attorney General on the Democrat side. Uh, wow. Um, <clears throat> I'm, I would never vote for Brian Cologne. I would never vote for uh, Raul Torres, uh, or as I call him, Raul Soros. Um, that's his real name, Raul Soros. He's uh, Soros back. So, I mean, either way that you cut it, you're, it's a lose-lose. So I'll tell you what, I'm going gay for Jeremy Gay. Come September, come uh, November, I'm as gay as can be. I'll be the gayest candidate out there. Nobody is going to go gay harder. I'm going to talk about Pride Month. I am for uh, Jeremy Gay all the way. Gay all the way. This will be the first time I'm actually going to be supporting uh, gay uh, in, in government. So there you go. How, how do you guys like that? Voted for Zanetti. Uh, we have to cut back on driving, Eddie. We have to. Tesla is a virtue signal. It would take many years to pay for itself. Yes, it would. Um, and actually, I think uh, you can find it online, the amount, like on a daily basis, how much it would cost, how at a current price versus current gas prices. There's a website, I forget, I came across it maybe a couple years ago where you could make the determination as to whether or not it would actually make economic sense in current gas prices to buy an electric vehicle or a Tesla. Like, what's the break even point? Like, how long? And let's not forget, 
Many of these Teslas are going into the shop within the first couple of years. And for you to take them in and out of the shop, they expect you not just to pay up front, but you're spending somewhere between six to 8000 to fix some of these electrical panels uh, for these Teslas. And you're without a vehicle somewhere between four to six weeks because there's not a Tesla maintenance uh, vehicle center in the state of New Mexico. I think there was one maybe in Santa Fe, but... I don't, I don't know where it's at. Renewable energy is more expensive will result in rationing. It already is. We're, we're self-rationing. All you do-gooders out there, when they started making you put everything in recycling and they start teaching you how to, well, put this one in this and don't you know, mommy and daddy, how much energy and how much water? We need to use a timer. They're teaching you how to ration yourselves. Like, What could be more idiotic? Yet you guys are like so interested in consuming as much as you possibly can of pizza and everything. Oh, it's going to be a matter of time. We know that we're only allowed three slices of pizza. No, no more four, no more five. Can you imagine? You know what's going to be a sad day for this country when we start counting the number of pieces of candy and uh, pieces of pizza that, that we can consume. Uh, I remember growing up and feeling so, if you don't eat all your food, there's a kid in Africa that's going to, you know, starving. He could be uh, eating that. You, you might remember that. Greg might be too smart to win. He could do the job, however. That's what it is. But we're going to bring the forces uh, together. So that's good. Your commentary is hilariously raw today. Some candidates just suck. Yes, we have three sucky candidates. Three of the worst candidates I think I've ever seen. Ethel Maharge, Jay Block, and Rebecca Dow. Rebecca Dow? She has literally no, she just fires from the hip. She has no discipline and she has no read on what's currently happening. Uh, that's the, she has three things that have totally maimed her campaign. Uh, Eddie, I voted for Zanetti. Tesla between Santa Fe and Española. I didn't realize that there's a Tesla between Santa Fe and Española. Uh, putting it in front of some of the uh, wokest people and some of the brokest people. Woke-ass is Santa Fe. Broke-ass is Española. So there you go. Uh, Eddie J. Block comes across as arrogant and condescending. Oh, really? Greg Zanetti is our only hope. I'll support who gets in there, though. Yes, you will. And it won't be J. Block. Uh, voted for Greg Zanetti and Louis Sanchez. Oh, we love Louis. Little Louis is a great dude. Um, I say that in a very loving and affectionate way because I'm just a lot taller than Louis. That's all. <laughs> you may not like that, but, you know, Louis knows how much I love him. Eddie, you are the best. That's from Susan. Okay. Uh, Ron Ketty got my vote. Uh, Eddie, is there a good website reviewing the rest of the candidates other than Governor of Congress? There's really not a um, competition in any of the other races except for Sheriff. And then I guess I guess CD1. But really, I mean, if, if you vote for Michelle Garcia-Holmes, you're all sorts of stupid. I mean, top to bottom. Like, let's just, let's face it. You know nothing about politics. Well, I think I'm going to vote for the Hispanic woman who's run four times and work for Gary King and let his office. Like, yeah, I mean, come on. Let's try something new, shall we? Uh, Eddie, your audio is worse. TikTok at the keyboard all over your today is the day I want to listen. Hopefully we get the man to beat MLG. Well, I don't know whatever man that is, but I'm, I'm, I'm voting for whoever comes out of the Republican primary. <laughs> Yes, that would include Ethel Maharge. I'm straight. If Ethel Maharge comes out on top, I'm voting. Believe it or not, we'll all be. We'll all be just. We're, we're, I'm only going to speak. I'm going to learn Spanish just just to go ahead and please Ethel Maharge. She is. She had literally some of the most uh, most uh, ridiculous. Um, I think quotes I've ever heard in any debate. 
at any point, you know, like what could be more identity politics starting to speak in Spanish and then saying, I can speak to a hundred percent of the New Mexicans. I'm like, are you, that's insulting. <laughs> and, and by the way, it's also racist. It's racist to white people. Just understand that. Okay. Just understand that. And I don't know if you know that there's white people that also live in the state of Mexico. Like white people are like, uh, why is this woman up here? What my dad's like, what's an ethylma heart? I'm like, uh, I feel that way too. Eddie, I'm trying to plan a trip to Arizona, then Vegas in the coming months. I think it will cost me at least a thousand dollars in gasoline to drive my Santa Fe four banger, hardly a gas guzzler before even applying the cost of wear and tear in my vehicle. Thanks Biden. You POS. If reelected, MLG will close down in we'll, we'll close down all the natural gas power stations in the state and we will live in darkness. That's what they want. Well, that's what they want. This is what I wear every day. Make affordable gas again, MAGA. I like that. That's a good way to use MAGA. I like this. Uh, you can go ahead and uh, turn up uh, Dowd now, by the way, uh, Eric. Uh, Greg got two primary votes for my household today, and I will hold my nose and vote for Ron Ketty, but Steve Pierce has to go. Yes, Steve Pierce does. Um, well, Steve Pierce isn't going to run again for party chair, so um, that I do know. Dowd, throughout, Dowd 3000 for governor. I kind of like the sound of that. That's good. Uh, I voted for the general. I'll have to help you with all the marketing stuff, Dowd, and then oh, you just sit time. there. Yeah, there you go. Uh, Eddie, how do I get my resume across the Republican governor candidate? I don't know. Contact her. I can be made a mole to. Yeah, I can be made a mole to the Democrats, and I can be the point finger guy for him. How? Like, <laughs> uh, trust me. Let me tell you something. The Democrats do. They all smell like each other. And uh, they know how long they've been smelling like each other. Well, let's just put it that way. So pretty hard to break into the Democrat. But there's plenty of uh, Democrat operatives within the Republican Party. So uh, that's something that they don't do. Zanetti. But if he doesn't make it, I will vote for peanut butter and jelly sandwich over MLG. There we go. Eddie, here's my last vote. Uh, here is my last vote in the New Mexico election. I love it when you guys send me your ballots. I like to read your ballots. Um, I took a picture of my ballot. Um, I uh, believe it or not, I uh, I actually voted for Peggy Aragon, Peggy Miller Aragon. I know, believe it over Ant Thornton, and I actually wrote down an endorsement for Ant uh, to get him on the ballot. I just don't think he's ready, and I think that if you have Ron Ketty and my last name on the ballot, uh, carrying Bernalillo County over, right? Do you see you see the logic there? You know what? I think I think uh, I think maybe I think maybe somebody else saw that logic before I did. So it, any Aragon's better than. Uh, I just want to point out, ladies and gentlemen, that Eddie has broken his pledge to never, to, to never vote for a three-name person. <laughs> oh, you have that. That is true. Well, we're gonna we're gonna get rid of the Mueller stuff. I think uh, I'll convince them to get rid of the Mueller. Maybe. Uh, let's see, Louis. This one's Louis Sanchez, Mark Ronchetti, Ant Thornton. Audrey Trujillo, Jeremy Michael Gay. I'm going gay all the way. Gay, gay, all the way. Are you going to go gay for uh, New Mexico, Dowd? In, uh, <laughs> okay, all right. Yeah, 2022? Yeah. If, if going. it keeps Cologne or Torres out of the AG's office, I'll go way, way gay. I'll um, go pansexual. <laughs> not only that, not only that, he's gay. His last name is Gay, uh, and, and he's black. We're covering our bases there. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. I'm voting for the gay black man. Okay, all right. For it's right. AG, right? Was he raised by a single mother, though? You have to be raised by a single mother. That doesn't make you. That does, does that make you black? 
You got well, no, no, no. You got to tick off as many boxes as possible, right? Oh, okay. I see what you did there. Got it. Okay. Yeah. I'm going. Mm-hmm. I'm going gay for New Mexico. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> Jeremy Gay. Jeremy Michael Gay. Uh, Harry Harry B Montoya. If I push hard enough, we can get this done. Harry Montoya. I voted for Harry Montoya. In spite of how much I truly dislike the man, I, I will vote. Be I'm all for him, Harry Montoya for state treasurer. So uh, Jefferson L. Bird here on this uh, state representative. This is a Greg Cunningham vote um, over Adelius uh, Stith. Is that the guy's name? Adelius. Oh God, he's he's a wreck. Uh, let's see, Kerry Morris. Barbara Johnson, these are all unopposed. Gertrude Lee, and then David T. Bibb. David T. Bibb. I don't. I've never. I don't know who David T. Bibb is. And then Michaela Chavez. Uh, she's uncontested for county commissioner. So I've got to get behind. I guess I have to do some. I don't know. We'll see what comes out. I got to. But Michaela's basically a Democrat. But I'll uh, do what I can. She's running as Republican, so I just get you know. I kind of I think one of the people that I'm a little bit upset with right now is uh, Brooke Basson, and she of course came sort of from the other side. So I'm afraid of Michaela just being the next Brooke Basson right now. You know, as much as I would uh, like for mom? things to Brooke, work Brooke out. Brooke Basson is a mom. I don't know if I don't know if you know this, but Brooke Basson oh, is a mom. There you go. Yeah, That's, she's a mom. yeah, there you go. There we go. Yeah, vote for him. Eddie, here is my last vote. There we go. Let's see if we get more. Uh, Eddie voted for Greg, Louie, and Josh. Joshua, oh, the uh, sheriff, sheriff candidate. He was really, I learned so much. He was so much smarter than me on just on all of those issues. I just really enjoyed that. I like it when I can listen to somebody and they're educating me. You yep, know? Yep. Like, that guy what makes is me that? look like a progressive. <laughs> he is he is a constitutionalist, <laughs> limited government dude. <laughs> I think Josh wrote the Constitution. Actually, uh, hope they all win. Keep the Kiva strong. Electing the right people is important, but our voice more important. The Kiva is our voice. Oh, that's so sweet. People are so sweet. Um, the Democrats are like those South Park partygoers. <laughs> Farting into, uh, let's see, the Democrats are like those South Park partygoers farting into wine glasses and sniffing it, getting high on their own supply. That's very funny, by the way. I kind of like that in. I'm 100% in for Greg. I mean, if we were just surveying Kiva voters and just looking at people who are voting for Kiva Dowd, I think yep. if we were if we were just doing the Kiva voters, I would probably say Greg Zanetti would, would be a uh, Only a, 80, a 85%. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, but there's a, it's, a, it's a bigger market out there, just so you know. Although KKOB just got, what, 10th in the ratings? Hey, you said that's yeah. uh, something coming in. All right, uh, Dowd, um, let's talk about uh, your article and the types of people we are not supposed to be electing and some of the worst of the worst. Like we said, if you find a candidate on the bottom of your shoe, uh, this lady might be the one. <laughs> yeah, Eddie, uh, this this was probably my deepest dive into a, a, a can a, an elected official and a candidate. Uh, she's actually on the ballot, uh, and I, it, this is way too much to to talk about in the next three minutes. So maybe we kick it over to the second hour. But uh, the piece. No, no, is- no. There's no uh, top of the hour breaks today. We're just going to go oh. straight through. Yeah, I, there's too much to cover, and then I might I'm going to probably stay on after seven, maybe to like seven thirty eight, sort of get some of the first results. I mean, remember. The, remember, these ballot boxes are not tied to the internet, Dowd. 
So we True. might be waiting until next week for the results on this election. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Because right, right. we no know connection. that they're gonna they're gonna get uh, little little Linda fat little Linda Stover over there. <laughs> She's gonna waddle her ass over there and pick up all of the various. Uh, my parents are not happy with me right now. I guarantee you if they're listening, and and gonna grab all the ballot box and they're gonna count one by hand. One, two, three. We're gonna make sure we count all those people. <laughs> uh, and, and all these secure Dropbox, lo- Dropbox locations, I'm sure, are 100% secure. There's no funny business there, uh, n- n- none, none at all. Um, yeah, I, well, I'm glad to know that too, because we need some time, Eddie, to, to, to kind of flesh this out. I, I, there's a primary tomorrow that in some ways is, is even more interesting than our big gubernatorial face-off and our Democratic AG face-off, because it really exposes the, the soul of politics in New Mexico, they're really the soul uh, of the uh, of the political establishment in New Mexico, and and what it's been for so long, and the transformation that's underway, and, and it's a transformation that I think that uh, some moderate and even <laughs> there's not many left, but conservative leaning Democrats and centrist Republicans really. If you could understand what's happening, you might be able to exploit this and really help the state out, and maybe maybe enforce some change. Maybe Mark Ronchetti is 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 a, a player in this potential transformation. I'm a, a big student of a, uh, a of a of a tabloid columnist who, who uh, always goes for the lowest denominator, uh, exposing political gossip and political corruption, and uh, calling out polit- politicians who get their brother-in-law the uh, the snow plowing contract for the school district in some suburb of Mass of, of Boston. And his name's Howie Carr. Very, very pro-Trump guy. A lot of people credit him with actually getting Trump that one electoral vote up in Maine. Uh, Trump and Howie, real, real buddies. Uh, and I think uh, he, uh, Trump, understood that he had a chance at New Hampshire. He and he and Howie are, are real, real pals. And uh, Howie's an interesting guy. He's a tabloid guy. He's not a public policy analyst. Uh, he and I live on on different levels. But he spent his whole career in television and radio and in writing a column for. The good Boston paper, the Boston Herald, not the Moonbat Boston paper, uh, the Boston Globe. Howie has been making distinction distinction between Moonbats and hacks, and and I think the that his we can apply his distinction between those two groups in New England. It also applies here in New Mexico, not in exactly the same way, but but roughly the same way. Hacks are people who can't really cut it in the private sector. They're not really hard chargers. They're not hard workers. They don't meet their deadlines. Work ethic, not too great. They pursue jobs in the uh, public sector. They are public servants. And life's been very, very good for them in recent decades. Really, the only last 40 years, states have been letting them unionize. You're getting your guaranteed raise. Of course, if you work for the government, you have tremendous job security. There was a study done by the American Enterprise Institute in 2014 looking at state state hacks, people who work for the state, not local government. New Mexico jobs, they looked at similar uh, qualifications, similar workload, uh, similar years on the jobs. They found that when you factor in everything, all the benefits, all the various types of compensation and job security, comparable work in state government has a 24% premium. You get 24% more uh, real value than you do if you're dumb enough to work in the private sector. So life's good for the hacks. Uh, It's good for the hacks in Boston. It's good for the hacks in New Mexico. The difference, I would say, in blue states, rich blue states, coastal states, we're seeing this in California as California implodes. Uh, My native Connecticut, where I fought for years against the hackerama, those states built very strong, robust economies over the decades. Now, those states are having, don't think of how they are now. Think of how they are 
say, post-World War II. They had tremendously diverse economies. They had high labor force participation. They had, uh, you know, business services, finance, tourism, manufacturing, even agricultural United states. They had very well-diversified states, uh, state economies that where people really prospered, and the suburbs really exploded there in a lot of these places. And the hacks... In these states, people who really can't cut it in the uh, in the private sector. My father uh, bestows an award uh, whenever he runs into someone in government that actually could make it in the private sector. It's the Thomas Anthony Muska Award for government employee who could actually uh, hack it in the public sector. Uh, didn't have to be a hack. Um, I, I want to make that an actual foundation and a scholarship after my father passes away. The Thomas Anthony Muska Award for yes, you could work in the private sector. Um, they were able to, as they unionized, as they became very politically powerful, they were able to greatly enrich themselves because even in the 50s and 60s, things started to change, 70s, 80s, 90s, you had job security in government, but you really didn't have the ultra-wealthy, ridiculous vacation, insurance benefits, pensions. You didn't really have that. That came a little bit later. And these states were prospering. This was the post-war period. The baby boom was underway. Money was coming in. States were thriving. And even blue states were able to afford greedy public employees. Uh, I would say New Mexico doesn't really belong in that category. New Mexico was able to build its hackerama uh, because they had so much federal money coming, not because they built a, a private economy. Well, now what's happening in a lot of these blue states is they can't afford hacks anymore. Uh, it, they, it, the, the, the true the true uh, danger that has always been posed by them. Revenue is going down in places like California, New York, and Connecticut, and there's a real tremendous hackerama. So we have a hack problem in terms of paying off all these promises we've made to the hacks, but we have an even bigger problem. That's the development of, as Howie puts it, the moon bat. The hack is an interesting creature. He wants to retire early. He wants his job security. He doesn't want a, a heavy workload. There was an economic development official in the Santa Fe government that someone took a photo of years ago who was literally had his legs up on the desk and he was sleeping in his chair while on the job. These people, they're not really ideologues. They're greedy. You know, they don't want to work hard and they want their guaranteed job and, and, and they want their guaranteed pension for life. And they want their vision and dental and life insurance and all that wonderful stuff that has been promised to them over the years. The moon bat is a different creature. And what we're seeing in New Mexico and what we're seeing nationally, pretty much every state, maybe not Idaho, but uh, South Carolina, but most states, what we're seeing is a conflict between the old guard and the Democratic Party. And it should surprise no one that the hacks were overwhelmingly Democrats in support of the Democratic Party and the people in elective office supported them and they passed all the legislation that was favorable to government employees. The moon bats aren't really about enriching themselves so much as they are running the world. And I make a distinction in this piece about, uh, I, I, I sort of lay out the difference between a hack who just wants the cushy gig, the lifetime job, and the moon bat. The hack doesn't want, doesn't, at the end of the day, the hack really doesn't care whether you drive an electric car or not. The, the hack doesn't care how much water is in your toilet. The federal government started regulating water toilet in 1992. Um, in California, we just saw a judge overturn this law that required, I think, at least three women on corporate boards. Do you think the average guy in the county transportation department in in, in solid waste, uh, the average secretary, you know, at the, in the New Mexico Economic Development Office, do you think that they really, at the end of the day, you know, really care about the number of women on, on corporate boards, you know, assuming we would have corporate boards in New Mexico, but that's, you know, making a wild assumption. They don't really care about this stuff. Um, the critical race theory, uh, 
make you know pro drag queen pride day at the at the at the public library hacks just want you you can pay them to shut up they'll leave you alone if you give them enough money and if your economy is growing you can afford hacks to to a certain extent and i think that's what liberal places like california new york connecticut new jersey massachusetts they could afford their hacks they were for decades they could afford these people they weren't the bulk of the the economy almost like it is in new mexico that they had well diversified growing economy the baby boom is underway so they could afford them and listen as long as you pay me off give me my annual raise don't expect much from me i'll leave you the hell alone okay i just want your money you know kind of like the mafia you know hey uh shame if uh, something what uh happened to this uh, nice uh, storefront over here you know uh yeah i'm gonna send uh, uh my pal uh, rocco around uh you know uh, the first monday of every month and you're gonna give him an envelope and uh, you know amazingly nothing's gonna happen that's how the hacks operate now I don't think the hacks are good people. I think this is horrible. I mean, I'm a libertarian. I think we let these people get completely out of control. It was insane. But hacks are not moonbats. Moonbats want it all. They want to control your life. Literally, the kind of coffee you drink, how your appliances operate, that you know, regulating uh, the, the type of refrigerant chemical in your air conditioner. I mean, there's no end to this. No, and I, I, I cite some examples in the piece. They want it all. They want it all. They want to control it all. These are people with very empty lives, okay? They are totalitarians to the core. Uh, Grover Norquist, who is, uh, runs the Americans for tax reform. He calls them coercive utopians. That's basically what they want. They want, uh, you know, these are the people who mandate recycling. I, you, you think I'm being, I'm exaggerated. I'm really not. When you think about the what you do when you wake up and your feet go on your bedroom floor and you walk into your bathroom and you walk into your kitchen to make breakfast and you go out to your car and you go to your workplace in the morning for the people who do work in New Mexico, there's, they, they want to control all of that. All of right. it. These are people who are insanely grandiose. So, in we are now entering a a point, and, and it's happening in New Mexico, Eddie. And I'll give you the name of two political action committees that the old guard, the old hack guard in New Mexico, they're not happy about the moonbats taking over the Working Together New Mexico PAC that's run by Luis Sanchez, the Albuquerque City Councilor, and apparently there's another PAC that I just learned about yesterday, New Mexico Values PAC. The hacks are not happy that the moonbats are taking over now. Who's an example of a moonbat? No, uh, now remember, no. it should be stated, I think, just on this, that pack that's run is run by the very same woman who was suing me and trying to get me off the, the ballot. So, yes, but, the but I think people need to realize something. Remember, she was on, there's this conservative sort of arm conservative very loosely defined conservative exactly. arm of the democrat party so karen what's her last name is it montoya uh, montoya i think it is yeah, yeah, yeah. so karen yeah. montoya is running these packs she's making them you know sing but this louis sanchez karen montoya is different than the progressive left that doubt's talking about which this is the theme that we have to rip and exploit so we can remove Michelle Lujan Grisham from office as well as every single – this pack is a good thing in the sense that it actually will inevitably serve our purposes and move us slightly over a little bit further towards the right. Yeah, I, I think, Eddie, the, 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 those PACs are being organized because the old guard, the people who live off government in New Mexico, are realizing that the crazed Marxist, cultural Marxist, economic mar Marxist people who are talking about your child's a racist and let's expose your child to drag queens, they're looking at the moonbats and saying, 
you guys are screwing things up. You're putting our livelihoods at risk because you're tarnishing the brand here, and we're not happy about this. And Eddie's right. I'm not defending the hacks. I got lots of problems with these people. But that is the distinction, I would say, the broad distinction, as Mr. Ka Mr. Carr from Boston makes, between the hacks and the moonbats. But there's one person in the legislature elected in 2018, and I'm starting to see little examples of these types. What they do, they take the fusion of both of these groups, both of these groups, and they united into one politician. And that name, that name, that person in Santa Fe, the worst of the worst, ladies and gentlemen, I call her the hack bat, is Andrea Romero. Now, who's Andrea Romero? A lot of people probably don't know about her. She lives in a, uh, she represents a, a district that's kind of a weird district. It starts, uh, there's a little notch down in the southwest corner of the city of Santa Fe, and then it curls up into the rural, uh, the rural areas. And it, and it actually, the, the, southeast corner up into Española. So, I mean, there's a lot of rural folks there. There's some rich Santa Feans, but there's also some rural folks, uh, some Indian territory up there, um, some real people really, really, really suffering. She was raised in that area, went to Santa Fe public schools, ma made it to Stanford, which, uh, you know, is is a distinction. That's a top tier school, Some by some measures, the best school in the country. But wait, where did she go to high school, Dow? Do you happen to know that? Uh, she went all the way through high school in Santa Fe Public Schools, so one of the high schools up there. Um, Interesting. You know, let, let, you know let's She's face a, it. She, yeah. she, she, she probably, it, it helped her female and her ethnicity, I'm sure, helped her get into Stanford. Let's just come right out and say that. I mean, that's just the way it is. It's it's universities are woke. But she she graduated. You know, she was able to do their work, um, and, and she graduated. She goes off to Mozambique for a couple years and gets involved in agriculture, but she comes back and claims that she came back to her home state because she wants to dedicate herself to, quote, the growth of northern New Mexico's economic and environmental vitality through her small business and volunteer service to various organizations throughout the region. Uh, translation, she just kept getting government contracts. She basically was doing uh, nonprofit administration, PR. Uh, one, the first organization that I can attach her to is called Mix Santa Fe. This was organized by this horrible guy named Zane Fisher. Uh, he's one of these Santa Fe art artsy artsy craftsy guys who he doesn't, you know, he, he doesn't have a job description he, he thinks very highly of himself he's connected uh you know he's connected to all the right people um i guess his big, uh, big, big zane 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 uh, big uh big obama fan big big uh, elizabeth warren fan and yeah. so he started this organization she ends up making a hundred grand off this now as far as i can tell eddie this is primarily uh government money it was basically the city's economic development department kicking money their way uh now uh, while in africa our, our beloved andrea or andrea uh falls in love with the ostrich economy she gets a $41,000 loan and i can't document whether it was ever paid back from the venture acceleration fund now that was a economic development program basically run by los alamos national security llc that's the former contractor who uh, ran uh, los alamos national laboratory now the leftists at Nuclear Watch New, New Mexico, these are the people who are, you know, they hate all things nuclear. They pointed out that it's uh, at a minimum, uh, quote, unseemly 
for the executive director of the regional coalition, which lobbies for increased lab funding to receive funding for her private business from the from the contractor who runs the lab. Ultimately, that funding for her private business comes from the American taxpayer. Now, what are they talking about? She's the executive director of the regional coalition. What's what the hell is the regional coalition? That is a separate government, all, all government funded entity that was basically a, a lobbying force uh, to for all things lab related, basically spend more money so that the communities around the lab can benefit from more subsidies. Our beloved Andrea was making $140,000 a year for being the executive director for this governmental entity. Uh, before they started taking down their website, I was looking at what she actually did for her $140,000 a year. I think she was basically issuing press releases every couple of months. She'd issue a press release for $140,000 uh, a year, I I could have you could you could offer that I would have taken that job in a second. But people might remember the the name the Regional Coalition of Los Alamos Communities because in late February, the Santa Fe New Mexican got some documents. They were leaked to uh, leaked to a reporter at the Santa Fe New Mexican about a little trip that the uh, board of directors and the executive director made to Washington D.C. Uh, members of this group, including the Javier uh, Mayor Javier, who is no longer uh, with us, Gonzalez, Española Mayor Alice Lucero, and a Los Alamos County Councilor, they went for dinner in D.C. at Casa Luca. It's an upscale Italian eatery about a mile and a half from the White House, uh, boasting not only of great food and unique wine, but an exquisite interior with hand-blown glass lamps from Spain and custom wood woodblock printed textiles from Italy. So our $140,000 a year executive director, who didn't seem to really do any work for her $140,000, took some of her board to D.C., and they went out to this place. At the end of the three-course meal uh, for all of them, the bill came out to $1,850. The alcohol alone was $380. Uh, it included two $70 bottles of Val de Piatta wine. I'm probably mangling that. Uh, four that's a, that's Vera... crap. By the way, that's crap wine. They don't even know what wine <laughs> is good. <laughs> that's, like, that's like a triple charge on a $20 bottle. <laughs> uh, four Biro Moretti beers that cost $8 each. And this was the big one. $28 for a single Whistle shot glass. Pig. of whistle, whistle pig, pig whiskey um again this is andrea romero this andrea is my romero, favorite your... i love this whistle pig <laughs> yes yeah. uh, your 46th district uh, representative in the state house of representatives uh was present for this uh she submitted the 1850 dollar invoice to the fiscal agent for the regional coalition which happened to be los alamos county and was reimbursed for mm. the whole amount now this event uh this disclosure that came out in in february 2018 could could not have come at a worse time for our young woman on the go because she happened to be running for the state house at the time uh why was she running for the state house in a democratic district she's you know there, obviously there's already a democrat there well she was running against carl trojillo carl trojillo takes us back to the hack category carl trojillo couldn't complete his degree at unm but somehow he still got hired on at los alamos as a senior material science researcher. Uh, he won his first term in 2012. He was reelected in 2014 and 2016. But Carl Trujillo wasn't a moonbat. Carl Trujillo was a hack. Carl Trujillo wasn't really pro-gun control. Carl Trujillo was kind of down with the hunters. You know, he was the animal, animal protection voters didn't like him. Uh, he was kind of a rural northern New Mexico guy. Yeah, he was a Democrat. Yeah, he was a hack. But he hadn't signed on to this whole moonbat agenda. I dare say if he were in office today, Carl Trujillo probably wouldn't be big on critical race theory and Pride Day and you know, all that other stuff. You know, he's old school, and we got to get rid of him. So Ms. Romero decides to run against him, and one month 
before the primary, one month before the primary, suddenly all these accusations spring up that Carl Trujillo has a Harvey Weinstein problem. Mm. And one of the lobbyists was from uh, animal protection voters. And uh, one of the women corroborating this claim about his Harvey Weinstein problem is a legislator uh, who's very uh, uh, active uh, in animal protection and doesn't like his stance on, on hunting and on gun rights and all that kind of stuff. It was extremely convenient that one month before the primary in 2018, suddenly her opponent develops a hashtag me too problem and uh, she of course uses that as much as she can to you know pound 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 away at him she actually as a as an unelected person challenging a three-term incumbent kind of like melanie stansbury kind of like what she did to what was a uh, uh was it jimmy hall i think was his name out in the uh, she beat him um Andrea, out of 5,000 votes cast, what was it, 5,000 votes cast, she ends up beating him by 313 votes. Again, a three-term incumbent, popular guy, liked in the community. She beats him on primary day. Of course, there's no GOP opponent. This is the 46th district. She goes on to win. After the primary election, after the general election, we find out, uh, our, our pal Wayne Johnson, when he was state auditor, more than $50,000 in improper payments had been made to Romero over the years. The Office of Inspector General of the U.S. Department of Energy issued two separate audit reports of the regional coalition that she was in charge of with all kinds of problems. The organization itself is so vital, just like Andrea's previous employer, Mix Santa Fe, that went out of business after she left, the regional coalition goes out of business after she left. It's almost like she got these kind of no-show jobs with these ghostly organizations that seem to vanish after she made it into political office. I, I, I just, I don't, I don't know. Do you think that might have been planned? Uh, can, I, can I jump in here? Can I jump in here? Let me, let me slow you down. This is, this is a lot. We got this fire hose of this horrible, <laughs> horrible woman. Uh, okay, so just some details I've written down here. Um, <laughs> Poor Carl. I feel bad. Carl just wanted to go hunting up north. No. He just wanted to go out and hang up. Uh, mute, uh, Eric, uh, if you could mute Dowd for a little while while I just talk through this, okay? And then I'm going to let Dowd come back at me as he's typing out my questions. Okay. So I've got to know whether there is an Uber or a taxi cab uh, that was taken after they consumed all this stuff. Why was that not brought in? And that would have certainly been entered into the till uh, for the uh, reimbursements because this would have been a business-driven event. Second, I would love to know where she placed in her class at Santa Fe High because I happen to think that it wasn't probably at the top. I think she was more appointed than anything. I think the woman uh, third, doubt. I'd like to know whether or not she's, I don't know what she looks like, she's attractive and and or single and or a mother and or all th three of those things i want to see what level she levers that fourth um who of the uh people who are out there that suggested this i don't know what whatever it was was this uh, uh sexual harassment charge or what was the name of the person and is she a campaign contributor to Trujillo, I mean, excuse me, to Andrew Romero. Uh, does she have anybody connected to her? A very quick and dirty uh, looking back at the background would be able to help us understand that. So I'm telling that you that, that that connection would probably drive a lot of this. Um, fifth, what legislation has Andrew Romero introduced 
What did she do as her first filings when she came in after replacing Carl Trujillo? That would be indicative of the power structure that comes that, that she comes from. And sixth, not to mention that, who uh, donated to her campaign? Like these are all would be telltale signs to the person who placed her, to her pedigree, to how they went about it. And this would be a sort of a diagram of how the Democrat Party operates. One of the reasons why long ago it's like the most corrupt state. I was the youngest, let, let's not forget, folks, I was the youngest member of the State Central Committee for the Democratic Party in the early 90s. I was around this filth. I was around the Udalls. I was around some of these people who were like the worst of the worst, folks. And I had to get out. And after I saw what they did to my guy and Wesley Clark and all this crap that took place between Kate Stetson um, and uh, Ed Romero, Ambassador Ed Romero. Like, I don't care if you're an ambassador, bro. I don't really care about that. I'm just trying to do a fundraiser. Like, they turned this into this giant, um, you know, back and forth. I'm like, boy, these people make all sorts of hay about a lot of nothing. And they were just embattled, you know, with, with each other. So I'm like... These Democrats, I don't agree with them. I don't agree with their policies. I don't agree with them anymore. I cannot be a part of this, you know, Democratic Party any longer. So, long story short, is this would sort of give us the anatomy of how they would use, utilize and operate this, you know, going forward. I mean, you know what Carl should have done? My suggestion, you can go ahead and turn it back on now, uh, Eric. Uh, well, you know what they should have done, which I think would be really important? Carl should have just claimed that he was gay or that you know something like that you know every time you accuse a gay a, a guy of going uh, uh sexual harassment just say hey i'm a closet gay no one's yep. gonna touch you with a 10-foot pole all is forgiven it's like yeah you literally just say i'm just coming out of the closet it's one less no way i could have harassed you because what was the name of uh, daniel ivy soto they've been trying to destroy him and and this lesbian Full-on lesbian is like, well, Daniel Ivy Soto shouldn't have hit on me. He should have known that I was lesbian. Well, why would anybody want to know what your sexual orient, or I should say your sexual preference, because it's not even an orientation, uh, because we know you don't like to be called groomers now. All these people, oh, they hate the grooming term. So uh, there you go. Doubt I know it threw a lot at you with that. I'm not sure what you were able to come up with in a short time, but your quick thoughts on, on that, what you know. Uh, yeah, well, I'm tempted to say just in terms of a, a taxi cab, Eddie, they probably flew straight from the Sunport to D.C., and they were probably just taking cabs and Ubers, you know, or, or around. Uh, you know, there was no point in renting a car because they were there to lobby. But I, I, it's a good question, and I'll, I'll see if I can if, – I'll see if that's in the record. Uh, where she placed her class at Santa Fe High is a very good question, too. Um, I don't know if that's – are those – School records publicly available? I don't think I've ever done a search for any of those. But um, aren't we still asking about Obama's SATs? We can't get we we can't get those. Um, she is as as you predicted, Eddie. And I think you were predicting when you were asking this question. Um, she's unmarried and she does not have children. Um, and she is uh, thirty five. Oh, what a surprise! Yes. <laughs> I wonder how many boyfriends she. I wonder how many boyfriends she has. Uh, when's the last time she's been to church? How many sugar daddies does she have? Uh, now, on, on the question of the, the accuser, uh, I didn't really go into this in the piece because I really, uh, I'm not trying to defend Carl Trujillo, although I think the guy got a, got a bad deal on this. He, he totally got a bad deal. I'll just read from the contemporary coverage at the time. Uh, uh, this is May 4th of Santa Fe, New Mexican. The controversy over the accusations escalated on Friday with the accuser's colleague corroborating part of her account and a fellow legislator saying two other women had told her so 
not this woman's experience herself. Two women had told her uh, they also experienced harassment from the Democrat. Trujillo, of course, has called the allegations lies and a political attack somehow connected to his opponent in what has already become a heated primary election. The mountain, mounting scrutiny began with Laura Bonar, who wrote an open letter on May 2nd claiming that Trujillo had touched her inappropriately and offered a sort of quid pro quo for sex as she lobbied for legislation on behalf of animal protection voters. Jessica Johnson, who began lobbying for animal protection voters in 2015, said in a letter Friday that Bonar warned her to be careful during the first session at the legislature. So we're kind of getting, you know, secondhand stories here. Uh, that's Jessica Johnson. Is, is that is that a corroboration there between, uh, he just likes to hit on anything female. Is that, is that what that is? And we know that he's a hunter. Okay, got it. Uh, meanwhile, State Representative Deborah Armstrong, uh, we know a little bit about Debbie, said Friday that two other women had told her again not firsthand experience that they had experienced sexual harassment by trujillo so this breaks in a month before the primary and all through 2018 uh trujillo i mean he's he's eddie one of the reasons i'm a member of the rock of talk community ladies and gentlemen is that management and I'm all, I've been here almost two years, has never thrown me under the bus. Uh, I can't say that about other places I've worked where if there's the slightest bit of controversy, they immediately throw you under the bus. I know the owner of this station. I don't know if you know this, folks, but I actually know the owner, and if I have an issue, I can bring it to him directly. Um, Trujillo's own people, the Democratic Party leadership, throw him under the bus almost immediately. They open an investigation, an ethics investigation into him. Later in the year, at the end of the year, and this is, again, reading from the Santa Fe, New Mexican uh, coverage, this is about three weeks after Election Day. By now, Andrea is, uh, Andrea is already elected. The legislative subcommittee looking into the sexual har harassment case against Carl Trujillo, they disbanded their investigation because the key witness refused to submit to questioning by Trujillo's attorneys. Funny thing, isn't that? When it, when it came down to a potential perjury trap, she wasn't as willing to tell the story that this guy harassed her. Because, well, I won't say this, but potentially, you know, the, the story had worked its magic. Carl was gone, Andrea was in office, and let's just drop this thing. Uh, the really sad thing, Eddie, about uh, Trujillo is he had, all, of course, all these legal expenses, and he actually filed a defamation suit against these women, and I guess it, it, it wasn't going well in discovery. He ended no. up dropping the defamation suit because he couldn't prove defamation any more than they could prove sexual harassment. And I went on his GoFundMe page. He had a, uh, this is a, I'm, I'm sure much hasn't changed in the last couple of weeks. I've been, as you can tell, folks, I've been working on this piece for a long time. Uh, Eddie's mentioned it a couple times being in the queue. That's how much labor has gone into it. He had a GoFundMe account to pay off his legal expenses. He did not even raise a third of the money he requested to pay off his legal expenses. Now, again, I'm not here to defend Carl Trujillo, but boy, uh, uh, an objective reading of this situation, this guy got completely screwed. Uh, and, uh, you know, Carl, if you're out there, you, you have my sympathy. All right, so she's elected. Well, and she's elected. Uh, I well, one quick second. Doubt if you might uh, just note this for a, a second, and you can tap on all you want, but I would like to know who she has donated campaign money to. I think the most critical question of all this is who has she helped, who has she campaigned for, who are her friends and associates in all of us? Because I don't think that this shot does not come except from the very top. Stanford, the pedigree, I think this ethics complaint that came in was likely started by, you know, one of her, one of the chiefs of the Democrat Party, 
uh, whether it's DPNM Deborah Holland or Michelle Lujan Grisham, definitely by somebody. They started her down this path to go ahead and do this and said, hey, if you want to go ahead and do it, there's there must bring me the head of Alfredo Counselor. Like you had to do this complete and total sacrifice. And Carl uh, Trujillo, she had to show what she was made of for the next um uh, level of leadership. Are you willing to go this far? Can you create the story? Can you do all these things? This is how the Democrats work. This is how they, they test each other. So they fabricate this entire story top to bottom uh, because obviously they don't want them to get themselves in a perjury trap. Defamation is next to impossible to prove, by the way. You can you can slap all sorts of things again. You can allege this, tar and feather anybody that you want, folks. Uh, it, not on FCC airwaves, by the way. You can't do it there. That's a little bit different. Uh, so just so you know, what I have to say, I have to be willing to corroborate. I'm welcome to go ahead and give you my opinions about things, but I definitely have to tell you uh, how this goes. So here's here's what, w once we find out what Andrea Romero is directly connected to, I bet we basically pull up everything from a Melanie Stansbury to a day in Hockman v. Hill to right up to the uh, very top down. That's, that, that's my guess. I, I, I think you're you're really on to something, Eddie. And one of the things I did not mention in the piece, uh, when you're talking about from the top, who, who was the first legislator in the Democratic caucus to throw her fellow legislator, Carl Trujillo, under the bus? Deborah Armstrong, who claimed that two other women sometime in the past had told her about sexual harassment. Who's Deborah Armstrong? Deborah Armstrong was Michelle Lujan Grisham's campaign treasurer in 2018. And, she and best friend. Best friend co-founded Delta Consulting in 2008, where they got uh, greatly enriched by tax dollars. Uh, I don't. I don't. Uh, unlike the conspiracy people, I do believe that coincidences can happen. In this case, I think it's more of a coincidence. It's not not that much of a coincidence. I think there probably is some some connection. Um, all right, so here, where are we in the narrative? Carl Trujillo is taken out. He's not exonerated, but he's not he's not made to face any consequences. The investigation disbands. Uh, Andrea has no Republican opponent. This is New Mexico. I mean, literally, nobody was on the ballot. Uh, this Democratic Party hack, Heather Nordquist, she she did, she ran a write-in campaign. She was a Trujillo loyalist, and she got none of the vote, and and because he had to write her name in. So Andrea is elected. She's elected in 2018. She's reelected in 2020. So she takes office in 2019. This is her first legislative session. It's also Michelle Lujan Grisham's first legislative session as governor. Bingo. What is Romero immediately, what is she immediately known for? She drafts legislation called the Right to be Forgotten Act. Uh, it was an attempt that an individual could appeal to some governmental authority to mandate uh, radio stations online or newspapers would have to take down disparaging material that had been written about someone. I don't even think you had to be a candidate. So this was basically online censorship. This is this is how she kind of uh, debuts as a legislator. The New Mexico Foundation for Open, Govern uh, Open Government called it, quote, like someone walking into the library and forcing it to destroy books they don't like. This is how petty Andrea This is the first prominent piece of legislation she drafts. Eddie, the Santa Fe New Mexican editorial page, it, it is the most I mean, New York Times, you know, looks like the Wall Street Journal compared to the Santa Fe New Mexican editorial page. They condemn this legislation, and Romero has to sort of back away and say, "Oh no, I never meant to do that." Uh, her other her other priorities are four point four million dollars for feminine hygiene products and feminine <clears throat> hygiene product dispensers in government schools. And if well, I when you're the that busy, Dowd, when you're that busy and you got lots of boyfriends and many people satisfied, feminine hygiene is at a premium. 
Uh, I don't know if that was a callback to her days at, in high school, and uh, middle school. I, I don't know. Uh, I, I do know that, that she did say possibly, Eddie, the stupidest thing any legislator in New Mexico has ever said uh, in an in interview with KRQE. She said that this is important for free feminine hygiene products for girls in school because, quote, they can feel like they feel empowered to help themselves. And here, here it comes. Here it comes. Often, girls have to leave school because they don't have access to basic hygiene products, so we're really trying to minimize that as best we can. I think that's a wonderful explanation for New Mexico's high school dropout problem. Lack of access to feminine hygiene products. I think yeah. I think Romero really nailed, you know, nailed the nature of that problem. There you uh, go. And uh, and there you go. So that's what she's also known for. Uh, she supported that the the, uh, the tax on pet food. Uh, mm. The animal protection voters they were pushing that. The people oh, yeah. who went against Carl Carl Trujillo. Right. Uh, she soared. Uh, she's co-sponsored the legislation that replaced Columbus Day with Indigenous Peoples Day. Uh, in an interview, she said that, that was um, in order to quote uh, recognize the true history of our nation. The true history. Stop there! Of our stop! Nation. Stop there! I am not going to miss this opportunity <laughs> to read off the names of the Republicans of the Republicans who decided to go ahead and jump in with Andrew Romero, this woman, and decided, yeah, I got to take this shot, Dowd, and I'm going to take it. <laughs> Uh, I gave Kelly Fajardo, I gave her the absolute clean opportunity for her to go ahead and uh, take my apology for articles that I did not even write. Let's, 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 let's not forget, these are articles that Dowd has done extensive research on that are simply facts. Simply facts. And when Kelly Fajardo is done with it, what did you call, what, what, what was the name that you gave Kelly Fajardo? Dow? I, I said she and Dow were partners in gender obsession. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So let, let's take this a step further, okay? Just to let you know that I was totally cool with her. Totally cool. I was like, yeah, you know, I even shot her a couple of compliments. You know, I've, you know, I let her know that things were cool, whatever. I'm not going to do anything else. And then... And then I read the votes for, you guessed it, replacing Columbus Day. Now, just, just so you know, just so you know how much I hate this more than anything else, I literally think you cannot be a conservative. You cannot be a Republican, in my opinion, if you voted yes. And it reads off of a who's who of Rhino Central, folks. And at the very top of that list is one gubernatorial candidate, Rebecca Dow. I shot that vote to her immediately upon receiving this, and she sent back something along the lines, well, we already have a federal versus state holiday. That's BS. When you should, you cannot submit a bill for critical race theory and banning that, and then at the very same time, two years prior, go along with a woman like Andrew Romero and vote for her legislation to say that Columbus Day should be replaced with Indigenous Peoples Day, which is the heart of sort of the Communist Manifesto for the state of New Mexico. Let's not forget David Gardunio. Let's not forget those people who started on this entire ridiculousness, and now it has gone into Colin Kaepernick. It's gone to Harvard University. It's gone into this whole woke-ass, broke-ass stuff. There are three other people Three other people there on that vote that I noticed, and doubt if you wouldn't bring that up. Kelly Fajardo, 
Bill Ream, which we know Bill Ream got on with who? He was literally leading things up for one, Manny Gonzalez for mayor, and then there's Alonzo Baldonado on there. And I got to say, I like Alonzo. He was leading the Trump thing, but how do you lead Trump and at the very same time, at the very same time, how do you lead, you know, whatever, Latinos for Trump in the state of New Mexico and then say the Latinos for Trump leader is literally a guy who voted to replace Columbus Day? Literally re- voted to replace Columbus Day with Indigenous Peoples Day. I don't know what else to say. I don't know what to tell myself. How do you? How did that? And this is why now I think that you know Trump didn't do any vetting whatsoever. Can you imagine putting Trump next to a name that says, "Yeah, I'm going to go with the people who uh, decided to replace Indigenous Peoples Day uh, or re- replace Columbus Day with Indigenous People Day"? Absolutely ridiculous. In fact, as soon as I got that text, as soon as I saw that stuff, I'm like. I feel vindicated and justified. <laughs> I was waiting for that beam of light to come to me on Saturday. I'm, I'm like, me and the boys are hanging out, right? And all of a sudden, I get this, like, satchel from heaven, which was just opening up this vote. I'm like, oh, uh, just in case I might have been feeling bad about what I did to Rebecca Dow on Friday. Oh, that was all lost by Saturday night. <laughs> I didn't feel one level of remorse because I actually like Rebecca. I thought she was pretty good. She just misled and totally uncoachable. And so I'm like, I'm gone. I'm out of here. I, I couldn't feel better. Sayonara, buddy, the, the, the as far as I'm concerned. And, and, and a, a laser beam from the Dowd 3000 yes. mainframe came right down and, yes. and, and went right into the, the, the forehead of Mr. Aragon. Uh, and, you know, it, it's, as bad as that is, seven Republicans took a pass on this vote. They were either absent or excused. Tell me who they were. Who, who were okay. they? Uh, the, the, let's see. Uh, Gail Armstrong. Oh, Rebecca. of course, Gail. Gail married to Dale of TLC, right, right, right. who now I, I believe wants to lead the party some way. Uh, nice guys finish first, right, Dale? Uh, yep. Yeah. Yep. You also voted. Your wife also voted. She may have uh, as well have voted to replace Indigenous People or uh, Columbus Day with Indigenous Peoples Day. Yep, yep. Uh, I think uh, it's Representative Black. I think her name is Rebecca Black. Maybe um, she's a Republican. Uh, uh, I forget. Is her that district. the one? That- is that the one that John Block is running against? Oh yes, I the, think so. Uh, the gay, the gay blogger from Southern New Mexico, the Alamogordo. Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where he just he, remember he just re- he just relocated from Washington D.C. after blogging for four years, acting like he's here. Um, Um, Jason Harper, Mr. Uh, Tax Reformer. Stop Um, it. Stop, stop. Jason Harper? Absent, absent. Oh, absent. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think Bill, was Bill Pratt a Republican? I think he was. I I thought he was, I thought he left or he was one of the guys that was thinking about leaving. I I think think he picked up and left. Yeah, he was. He he was. Oh, he was a Democrat. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I I got that wrong. All right. So just six. Um, yeah, uh, and then uh, Zamora down in down in uh, was it Lee or Lee or um, which county down there? Uh, Representative Zamora, what is his first name? If it's Hildago, uh, we'll give him a pass. It's ninety percent, uh, you know, on the yeah, other Martin side of the Zamora. Board. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Clovis, okay. Clovis. Yeah, he he took a pass on it as well. Republicans just did not uh, did not mount much of a defense for old uh, Chris Chris Columbus there, uh, Mr. Aragon. Very very scary. Uh, but again, it's it, you know. Ms. Romero is absolutely right. We had to recognize the true history uh, mm. of, our, of our nation. And then uh, finally, the last two, uh, she supported, I think it was something like a doubling of uh, the tax rate on cigarettes, which is uh, only going to make our black market in New Mexico even worse. And personally, 
the thing that affected me the most, she was a co-sponsor with uh, De Demon Heli uh, from Corrales of destroying local government's ability to pass right-to-work ordinances. Uh, she put her name on that legislation very, very quickly. This is all just in her first term, her first session uh, as a legislator. So uh, the the subsequent years have been more of the same. Uh, she voted for the Red Flag Law. She voted for the Healthy Workplaces Act. Uh, she voted for the Energy Transition Act. She voted to double the welfare to Hollywood. She voted for that massive tax hike package. So she's been just you know consistently going along with her Democratic caucus. Now, she did have a Republican opponent in 2020. Uh, Romero won by a mere 54 points uh, in her district. So that was a, that was a real nail-biter for, for Andrea. But that brings us up to 2022, ladies and gentlemen. In 2022, remember the hacks I was talking about, the old order in New Mexico, the people who lived off government, but they weren't cultural Marxists, they weren't economic Marxists? They're going at Andrea today. They ran a candidate against her. And they ran Eddie. I think, I think he's not going to win, but as candidates go... In that district, this is a half-decent candidate. His name is Henry Roybal. He's been a Santa Fe County Commissioner since 2014. Very deep ties to the community. Um, you're not going to be surprised by this, anyone, but he's worked for 21 years at Los Alamos National Laboratory, which is where apparently everyone works in northern New Mexico. Uh, so he's challenged her. Now, he's raised only about 54% of her money. She's raised $126,000 for a primary race in a state house contest. That is, Eddie, that is a significant amount of money. Uh, she has, there's a third and how much money? How, how much money does Carl Trujillo uh, need to pay off for his bill? Uh, oh God! Yeah, it was. And how, and it was how in many tens businesses? Of thousands, I think. Yeah, yeah. And how many businesses were closed uh, under Andrew Romero <laughs> that she was, you know, and she was off. She got overpaid fifty-one thousand dollars by Los Alamos Labs. So there yeah, you go. Yeah, good to go. Uh, there's a third candidate in the race. He's a young uh, gay rights activist. He has no money, uh, oh. and he he actually was posting social media. He was at the governor's mansion recently about uh, Pride Month. So I, I don't know how well that's going to play in a rural district in northern New Mexico. I don't. He, got, he raised two or three thousand dollars. He's not the player. Henry Royball, the Santa Fe County Commissioner, is. I think. I don't think he's going to beat her, but he's he's going to do better than than that third kid. So I looked at uh, Romero's money. Where is his, her Romero? Where is her money coming from in this race? And Eddie, it is a who's who of power players in New Mexico. She went from this Stanford girl off to raise ostriches in Mozambique to coming home and 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 getting mobbed up with every establishment. Finance, government. I mean, she is connected, connected. This is this is just some of the lists. AFSME, Brian Egolf, Laguna Development, the former mayor of Santa Fe, David Koss, the NEA, Conservation Voters New Mexico, Planned Parenthood, Sierra Club, Jason Espinoza, who's this oily corporate welfare lobbyist. He used to be part of uh, the state chamber or something, and now he works for, for private uh, private clients. I mean, this is this is these are the people who run New Mexico, and they are all kicking significant amounts uh, Andrea's way. Again, she's raised one hundred twenty six thousand. Now, I looked at who she's spending her money on, and uh, this 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 was quite revealing too. Remember when I was talking about how Moonbats want to rule the world, and I think I made a very strong case that from what you eat to the car you drive to how your air conditioner runs, they want to be in charge of everything. She's paying an organization out of Madison, Wisconsin called, I'm not making this up, you can, you can check the link for yourself, ladies and gentlemen, Run the World Digital. It is an online uh, PR and fundraising outfit in Madison, Wisconsin, which makes 
you know, Santa Fe look like, uh, you know, I don't know, Idaho. Um, she's paid them uh, $6,000 so far. They're helping her. Who, who have the ladies at Run the World Digital helped? Gretchen Whitmer, Amy Klobuchar, and the president of the planet, according to Star Trek, Stacey Abrams. So instead of hiring a local firm, she's getting mobbed up with a national firm with very, very deep contact, uh, contacts in the far-left Marxist, you know, feminazi movement. Uh, Run the World Digital is the name of the firm. I Do not make that up. You can go to rocketalk.chat right now and click on the link yourself. Uh, she's hired an organization called Run the World. Uh, finally, a couple of, couple of final points on our beloved Andrea as she gets uh, more ambitious and more successful. She refers to herself as a member of the ocasio Cortez class, she says that prior to the 19th Amendment, women in this country were, quote, deemed as second class, almost non-human. Uh, so all the men in this country who sacrificed for their wives and their families for centuries, they deemed women as almost non-human in, in Andrea Romero's worldview. Uh, and also, she bought in, I think, day two or day three of the India Palace, what appears to be a fake hate crime. Ah. She, was on, she was on site she was on site wailing about what she called, quote, the kind of pain in our community that folks want to express that in such a hateful way. So, folks, I submit to you, uh, Ms. Romero is the worst of the worst. She takes the greed, the greed of the hack, she combines it with the grandiosity of the moon bat, she fuses it into one really, really, really slimy, oily, odious character. This is the future of political leadership in New Mexico unless we wake up. Uh, as long as the federal money kept pouring into New Mexico, we could afford the hacks. Folks, Look at your gas prices. Look at PNM sending out requests for proposal to get backup power this summer because there might be rolling blackouts. Okay? Think about your electricity. Maybe we could afford the hacks for a while. The moonbats are destroying your life. <laughs> they are destroying your life as they live in their little Marxist bubbles in Santa Fe or Madison, Wisconsin, or wherever, or, you know, Marin County, California, if you're Nancy Pelosi. Uh, we have a very serious problem. The hacks and the moonbats are fusing. I dare say Melanie Stansberry kind of set the standard for Andrea Romero. Melanie Stansberry was somebody for Romero to emulate uh, because, you know, Mel was getting all those, all those contracts for all of her climate work and water work, whatever that she calls herself a scientist, even though she doesn't have a degree in science. Um, I think the Melanie Stansberry's and the Andrea Romero's of New Mexico are going to really start to proliferate. They are connected. They are well-funded. They don't have husbands and children, so they have a lot of time on their hands to think about how to run your life. Uh, I suggest, I submit, that maybe Andrea that's Romero... A, maybe, that's, uh, maybe that's Melanie's uh, girlfriend. I mean, there's a there's a hint of that Janassa Qua sort of uh, coming through her her photographs. Um, you know, they could be just a lot of a lot of man hating. I know Melanie hates the men over there. Um, uh, and we're pretty was, there was a, there was a partner with the ostrich farm, which, by the way, remember when I was talking about the forty one thousand dollars she got for the ostrich farm? Uh, it doesn't look like the ostrich farm exists anymore. Uh, there was a man. There's a picture I put in here of her what was called partner at the time, but he seems to have been cashiered out. I don't know where he was, and of course he was an employee at Los Alamos National Laboratory. Um, so, folks, yeah. listen, we need to be on guard. The, the The playing field has changed as hacks morph into moonbats. 
the danger is really accelerating and getting worse, whether it's gasoline prices, whether it's electricity, whether it's uh, critical race theory, whether it's uh, the homosexual agenda, which I'm not a, I'm not a Christian conservative, but these people are extremely aggressive in pushing <clears throat> this stuff on your children, a message that is completely uh, wrong for children. Uh, this is a woman who thinks that women were treated as non-humans until they got the right to vote. This is a woman who thinks that feminine hygiene products should be dispensed for free to kids in schools. Uh, this is what we're dealing with, folks, and uh, unless we wake up and start fighting these folks, these, well, women, but mm, some women, some men, Eddie, I, I, you're going to laugh at me, you're going to laugh at me, but I think... I've been thinking about a project called Take One for the Team, where we need to identify <laughs> we need to identify these young women, okay, who are radicalized yes. with feminism, with the gay yeah. stuff, with environmentalism. We need to find attractive young men to woo and court and mate with these women and build a family with these women and keep them out of public policy. But all the while, no, 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 you don't want this thing to reproduce, dude. No, this this is not what you're looking That's a good to. Point. You know, you don't want this woman to reproduce. I mean, and there's a good chance, based upon my first glance, like like a lonely girl. I think she's lonely girl by choice, and uh, she's probably laughing at the fact that we call her lonely girl. But I think, I think she's, I think she's throwing, she's keeping her weight on. They're so Nineteenth Amendment. They're so like pro women. They're so like. You know, they they just eat up and devour these stupid men who walk into yep. their path, you yep, know, yep, and these yep. guys are like, oh, I'm looking for validation. I'm looking for whatever. And then she chews him up and spits him out. And she's like, well, we know Carl doesn't go that way. We know that Carl likes women. And so we're going to use that against him. No, that's what they do. They literally... No, they they, they must come sort of like some sort of, uh, you know, ritualistic farm where they all are brought in, taught how to, like, talk about, like, the only real men are black men, and then the only um, real people are people who are LGBTQ or LGBT. I mean, like, one out of five of them now are claiming yep. to be LGBTQ, which yep. is totally a preference. Like, their myths just need to be totally destroyed. She needs to be destroyed politically, but it's going to have to come from people in her home in her own party yes. we on the right will never get an opportunity to ba basically take her out we don't have the strength of the media this is like the like if we actually had the weight of 4713 and all the other radio stations yeah sure we could go ahead and, and 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 involve ourselves in that but you know i'd love to know what church she went to or where she was raised she went to a public school blah, blah, blah. like learn about these people like you're the ones who are giving life to animals like this and this woman is truly an animal nineteen hundred dollars on a dinner at the very end drinking shots of whistle pig and if you look at her she couldn't give a crap about anybody but herself and look at the legislation that that, that she's got involved with and all you rhino Republicans that have jumped in on with her, you're going to go right down with this because this state was established and start started as a conservative, religious, Judeo Christian, Judeo Christian uh, centered focus with the family. Like Romero is one of the most richest names. It's sacrilege to have a woman like her have that last name. I mean, every Romero out there, how could you identify with filth like this? I don't care how good her educational pedigree or who she's worked for she's she's led a trail of tears behind her and i don't mind using that especially with her um you know i don't mind using that trail of tears uh, uh based upon the fact that she is superimposing her you know native american holiday now the indigenous people over columbus <laughs> sure. and we gotta have these cultural conversations moving forward dowd this is this is phenomenal this
This should be in every political dossier who wants to go in. Karen Montoya herself should pay you ten grand for running this report. <laughs> uh, that way, you know, her and her political action committee to so go, go ahead and do this stuff. This is the type of thing that needs to happen because let me tell you, what Dowd is doing, and Dowd's got a whole level of, of this stuff that he does all the time. He does it just, you know, policy is get the background. I mean, we can talk about Stansbury and all this kind of stuff. This is exactly what politics is all about now. Okay. And we don't oftentimes engage in this type of stuff, but this is the stuff that's absolutely fun. This is absolutely one of these people. Yeah, as one guy is now calling it, this is your best show ever. This is praying mantis women. That's what they do. They mate, they devour, and they eat them up. And they love that imagery. And I've known, I've known plenty of Democratic women just like this. So uh, there you go. Fantastic reporting. Final point. Beyond uh, Romero and beyond Melanie Stansbury, or as we we affectionately call her, Lonely Girl. If you have any, if you're moderate to conservative in New Mexico, and you read this report, you need to ask yourself: if, if you have, if you know people with money, if you have money, what were the tools and the conditions and the institutions that created Romero, that created Stansbury, and why do those tools and institutions and conditions don't exist to produce uh, candidates on the other side? You know, in terms of, if you look at her resume, it's just the constant internships and mentorships and all these opportunities, and all these networking, uh, all these relationships she built with nonprofits and politicians. They created her. They boosted her. They trained her. What level of that is going on on the limited government side in New Mexico? I dare say pretty much nothing. Uh, we're behind the eight ball and we need to build those entities. And uh, we waited a long time in this state and we, we can't wait anymore. We need to build those institutions, those the, 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 those factors, those relationships uh, that will be able to take a young person. She could have gone a different way. She could have, she could have come, she, could, she calls herself a 17th generation New Mexico, New Mexican. She could have said, you know what? Which, I agree with Dowd Musco. We need to let the United. We, we we want my state, my beloved home state, to finally join the United States and build a private sector economy. I love our state. I love our weather. I love our traditions. But we've got to fix some things. There were no intervening factors in her life that pushed her in a different direction. Everything pushed her to the left, and that's a tough. I'm really calling out the people on the right in this state who have not built those tools why haven't you built them folks we've been we've had this problem for decades now and unless we build uh those uh, uh useful uh, contrivances to take attractive smart or at least above average intelligent young people and, and and bring them in and foster and develop them to believe a different way about new mexico about public policy about the role of government uh we're going to keep getting what we're getting which is blue state blowout uh doubt i hate to burst your bubble on this um but it actually does exist, and it was led by Kelly Fajardo. <laughs> uh, I'd love to check out their uh, their their literature. <laughs> I'd love I'll to be see happy what, to. What they, I'll be happy done. to send it. <laughs> yeah, the uh, quote unquote grooming. Uh, we got so many texts coming in. The the. The wine narcissist uh, group uh, gets together, uh, and uh, they just love more power. You know, these are women who don't have validation in their own life, and they have to look for validation outside of them. They know that that deep black hole that exists inside of them, and I'm not talking physically, but that deep uh, black hole that exists in this soul-sucking uh, 
uh, creature is just literally not just draining that. And, and we do actually have this without creating the structure. And that structure is the family. The family is absolutely everything. So you want to talk about where we can groom some of the best of the best. You know, I think of Amy Coney Barrett. I mean, look at Amy Coney Barrett. You think of these types of people uh, who are just good, decent people and who have been able to, you know, one of my favorite political moments of all time. This is Amy Comey Bear is up there and she's getting interrogated and said, what's on your notebook? And she literally holds it up and it says nothing on it. You know, what's in front of me? Nothing but your text. And like, if you don't do the reading, you don't do the research. If you don't do this talking, the engaging, I think that's what it's called, by the way, engage, uh, by the way, down. But if right, you don't right. do these things, if you can't get involved and pay attention to what's happening, then we deserve the government that we're going to get. Um, but this is the exact type of swamp creature uh, that we hate, that Donald Trump hated. You know, one of the greatest things about Donald Trump that I, I did love is the fact that he was all about draining the swamp. This is the swamp. These are the creatures. And you need to stop them. They're destroying your churches. They're destroying your communities. They're destroying everything. And I think the king of the hill when it comes to all that is Michelle Lujan Grisham. Michelle Lujan Grisham is just that person. And, you know, I'm waiting for an attack any day, uh, Michelle um uh, Michelle Lujan Grisham. I mean, I'm waiting for her to attack the Kiva. I'm waiting for her to attack, um, you know, Dowd. We're ready for that. I believe that we've been talking to somebody who's a Michelle Lujan Grisham sympathizer, who's been gathering information from some time, uh, who is controlled opposition, who's uh, constantly interacting with the other side. And I think I have... I think I have this guy dead to rights. Uh, it's amazing how in depth, uh, you know, some of these guys have gone and what lengths that they will go to just to make sure that they get to keep a uh, hold on to power. So let's throw you little, little bits and pieces here, thinking then that that's your on your side. And by the way, there is uh, Andrew Romero. There, there she is. Yeah, put me in a bar. Uh, you know, I'm a single guy, doubt, and I'll go ahead and uh, show up. And uh, I guess what we'll call it. Take one for the team. Is that the foundation that we're running? Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, it, the, the idea isn't completely fleshed out yet, but uh, we, we, we need to work on it. You know, we'll, we'll workshop uh, it, brainstorm it. <laughs> well, uh, hopefully, uh, what are you doing? Doubt is doubt is throwing more imagery than I know even know what to do. Is the moment he says the moment he says fleshed out, the rest of our audience is laughing. Eddie Eddie will go flesh that out. Uh, all right. Uh, can you talk about what you know about Anthony Thornton? Uh, you know, he's a likable guy. Um, I, I gotta say, I like Ann Thornton quite a little bit. Uh, I think, I think it's bad for the party. I think to, I don't think he's ready for that level. I, I should say he's never been elected before. Um, I just think as far as branding, Lieutenant governor doesn't really matter all that much. I hate to say it. It matters as far as the branding. I think one of the things that worked against, uh, Steve Pierce was Michelle Garcia Holmes. I think Michelle Garcia Holmes on election night was in my studio because she was basically ostracized. Plus her last name is hyphenated. Uh, you know, let's just put it that way. You can't be having as a, you know, uh, um, you know what I'm saying? I just don't think it was, it, you don't want that hyphenated last name next to Steve Pierce. You know, Steve Pierce would have probably done better. Would have done a heck of a lot better, I think, if if uh, he didn't have Michelle Garcia Holmes on his side, because I think she was controlled opposition. The way Steve Pierce probably saw it is like, hey, here's someone who can help us get Democrat votes, and she didn't even 
do that. She's all about her, and she's doing the the take. And I, let's not forget her her husband Earl also worked, I believe, as an investigator for Gary King, if I'm not mistaken. So there you go. Oh wow, that's interesting. Um, let's see. Romero is screwing everybody, and not in a good way. <laughs> there is no good way to get screwed. Let's just face it. This version of, that's 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 what they say. If you ever talk to some of these women, you know, there's no way to, a good way to get screwed. They literally say that this version of the Marxist Communist Democrat Party is pure evil. It sure is. Um, let's see what we've got here. This is a lot. I'll be I, living my life from the—go ahead. Oh, no, just final point. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, this is the largest piece that's ever run uh, on uh, rockoftalk.chat. Uh, an enormous amount of work went into it, and— um, if you want to maybe just subscribe for less than 20 cents a day, Please. you can you can do it at rockoftalk.chat. <laughs> Got to get that in there. Yeah, that, good job. I'll be living my life from this time forward as a gay man, the Kevin Spacey defense. There you go. Yeah, it's like that. This, this show is so good, bro. This is my favorite. All these New Mexican female Democrat politicians want to just poop on men's beds. And I don't know what else he's saying. Praying mantis women. I like to call a lot of these females... Uh, lesbian, Xanax, box-wide narcissist. That's that's pretty heavy stuff. Like, geez, hey, go ahead and cue up the laughs from D. Dowd Muska. There, that was that was. <laughs> Don't forget Cat Lady too. <laughs> Just got told I'm in Edgewood. I cannot change my party affiliation. You could change your party affiliation at the box same day. They've been telling who's, us that for weeks. Yeah, election office is closed. Can you answer my question? Why can I not change this? Got a line of BS. Uh, I think you can show up to any place to vote, and they can just change it right there for you. Um, let's see. Any hologram mom voters can go declare party and vote. Damn spell check. Okay. My emotions are fine. Oh, I, listen to this. Here's a raw text. Just in case you know, you can leave on doubt. Doubt. Don't type if you don't mind. So I can keep. So I can keep. Don't type at all. You know, we don't need to. We're good. We're good. Uh, Eddie, shut up about Mark Ronchetti being a shoe in. The polls are still open, and you are discouraging voters to go vote for someone else if the election already decided for the weatherman. Save all this for tomorrow. Here we go. With a Eddie Aragon screwed up everything. And, and you don't know that when you text me in, I'll just look up your phone number and I'll find your name in two seconds. I said, no thanks, Kathy. Uh, Eddie, just no thanks uh, about to respond to that, uh, that texter who's having trouble yeah. in Edgewood. Uh, the hotline, if you are having an issue at your polling site, and I'm getting this from the most reliable thing out there, Source New Mexico, the left-wing left website, 866-687-8683. I'm going to give it one more time. I'll give you a second to get a pen. Uh, 866-687-8683. If you are having a problem at the polling site today on primary day in New Mexico. Um, let's see. I said, no thanks, Kathy. No thanks about what? You are doing Greg a disservice. Is this what your endorsement looks like? Oh, here we go. This, this, is, this is fresh. I said, I don't need to do anyone's service on election day, ma'am. The worst thing you could do to a cold woman is call her, don't call me ma'am. Don't call me sir. I am telling you the likely outcome. That's all. Get a hold of your emotions. It's a bit unnecessary. Here we go. My emotions are fine. I'm calmly telling you that you don't need to be saying the likely outcome today while the polls are still open and people are in the way to vote or standing in line to vote. That doesn't matter. Like, 
the people have already made their decision, and I'm not going to change it at the end. This is the same reason no election results are released until all the polls close. I don't, I'm not participating in your elections, so please stop. You know, I'm just giving you what the polls have said. Let's see. Here we go. Andrew Romero Moonbat. This kills Andrew Romero's ostrich farm. She is too. She is hot too. Don't let that be forgotten. Beef isn't a water hog, and it's talking about typical beef versus grass finished beef. Very funny. And you guys are so smart. Uh, went and changed my party affiliation to Republican, and then voted for Greg Zanetti. Look at that. Come on, Greg. Um, there it is. Voted for Louis Sanchez, Greg Zanetti, Ann Thornton, Audrey. Audrey going. He went gay. They went gay for Jeremy. That's, I just love saying that. We all we're are. Gonna get, we all are. <laughs> we're so gay. I'm so gay right now. This is Pride Month. I'm so gay. Uh, let's see. Family of Clinton advisor block release of files related to his death. And let's see. Fastest place to vote. Sandia High School only took five minutes. That's not good news. All right, let's take a break. Back to round up the show. We're going to take, uh, God, I've got a lot of commercials i got to get through here on this election day. So it's going to be an extended break, um, but we're going to come back. we got to talk about Trader Trudy. Uh, uh, Trader Trudy Jones of the City Council of Albuquerque, who voted for homeless encampments throughout the city. Uh, Brooke Basson leading the way uh, as that as well. So we'll do that here to sort of wrap the hour. And then I'll start to bring in doubt. If you don't mind hanging out maybe for a few minutes after, just kind of get some few preliminary election results. Will you be okay sure. with that? Sure. Yeah, let's try to do that and see what we can do and bring some, you know, first 30 minutes of election tally and see how, how it goes and you just be on the queue for that. But we've got to talk about encampments here in the city of Albuquerque. Back after a quick break on AM 1600 KIV, ABQ.FM, Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Oh, back here in the Kiva, 6.15 here on a wonderful election primary night, so hopefully we'll all come together. I got a couple of uh, quick election stories for you. I took the kids. Uh, we were like the last voters over at the Doskalo Center on Saturday, and we took photos and everything uh, so we could go ahead. And uh, my kids, I assisted my kids in their vote. And uh, it was really funny because, you know, they hear me talking a lot and stuff like that. And they're all, we're voting for General Greg Zanetti. So they love that. Uh, so both my kids and I went all over there and they were big supporters of, of Greg. Well, they know Greg. So and they see him and they love Greg. So my, you know, and my, my uh, sons, I don't know if you know knew this or not, uh, but they actually vacuumed. Um, you know, I took my kids over one time to Jay Block's house and they vacuumed Jay Block's house or they were helping out. Um, this was some time ago. So we were up there as a, you know, I don't know, a few years ago. Cause Jay was still, uh, out with his, hanging out with his uh, wife, um, his, the wife that he had with his kids. And so we went to go vacuum his house and my kids basically came in and Jay was so nice. He was telling me about how, how well behaved my kids were. And what a great dad I was. So that was that was really nice. But um, yeah, after, after all that and all the uh, looking and evaluating of candidates, uh, my kids decided to go ahead and throw their weight behind them. They voted twice, by the way, and I was helping them with a vote for for Greg Zanetti. And it was just a really great experience uh, for us to go down there and you know have that conversation and and take the kids through it, folks. If you can take your kids through the voting process. And I'm sure Mark Ronchetti took his kids, um, you know, to go vote for, uh, help them cast their ballot. He's constantly, I, I love that about Mark's campaign, as he's consistently always including his kids on his, 
mean tweets uh, type deal, which I think is quite effective and that's good. And, you know, it makes them more approachable and, and more likable because heaven knows that uh, we're suffering from the uh, wrath of uh, MLG. So can you imagine if we have, you know, someone who's approachable and his kids really like him? You know, my kids really love me and it's nice to see Mark have that uh, as well. And, you know, Greg, we've talked a lot about and and we've had Greg on and just played his commercial there for the last time here on our air. And, you know, Greg is, a, I consider him a, a dear friend, a, a close person to me. Um, but I can tell you, I know Greg, and he's the real deal, folks. I mean, Greg Zanetti is the real deal. And and uh, I do have a role of uh, radio host to play in all this. And I can give you uh, more or less some ideas. But, Dowd, I'd kind of like to get your kind of quick notes uh, overall on what you thought of the election, the campaign, and, and everything. Just how you saw it from a personality angle, someone who is uninterested. Go ahead. Well, you know, it's it's tough. I uh, it, it, I'm great. I'm glad you took the boys, Eddie, because if I can just if you allow me a personal indulgence, I mean, when I was growing up, going to vote with my parents was the, the greatest day of my life. I mean, it was just my folks were very active locally, politically. Uh, my father and his father, uh, Tom Muska and Anthony Muska, are just worshipped in the town of East Windsor, uh, uh, Connecticut. Uh, that respect stopped at my generation I, I i will not be continuing that royal status locally uh uh never never quite had the uh looks charisma uh, uh, uh of my father and, and grandfather but it, it everybody knew my parents uh everybody talked to my parents uh my mother would bring me into that was back in the days uh, this Connecticut, probably nowhere in america does this anymore where you had you had to pull that big bar across and the and the uh, curtain would close behind you and uh it just uh it was just a, this traditional thing and i could see how the community all the poll workers republican and democrat uh knew my folks and, and respected my folks and it was just it was so important to me and it was probably part of the reason i eventually started getting interested in in government and uh it uh, it, it caused me great pain as i got older to realize that most public policy is set in concrete and republicans and democrats don't really affect public policy much it kind of runs on its own uh the voters want lots of government and they don't want to pay for it that's why we have 30 trillion dollar national debt i do say uh, in light of the rona in light of uh, saint george of fentanyl uh the the problems in our country have greatly accelerated and this may be one of the rare times where you really do have to get involved politically of course i still doubt republicans i i've seen them sell out the, the 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 free market limited government cause again and again and again because somebody in the, at the New York Times writes something nasty about them, uh, uh, you know Mitch McConnell types. Uh, of course, I'm wary about Mark Ronchetti. I, uh, I you know he's obviously got the, the establishment money. He's got uh, you know the McCluskey machine, uh, but. But I do think that uh, we crossed over. There was a tear in the space-time continuum in the, in the spring of, of 2020 when these two uh, insanities inflicted our country, where uh, I guess all these mar cultural Marxist activists were sort of waiting to strike uh, as if they hadn't done enough damage already. But with a video emerged of this Minneapolis police officer looking relatively unconcerned while this large violent felon was 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 beneath his knee and and uh, i still think we haven't gotten an accurate picture of that i don't think it was i don't think that officer woke up in the morning looking to go kill a black man because air america is irredeemably racist i think that's utter nonsense and that we we had this infantile childish reaction to this video and of course the germ stuff i i thought we were made of tougher stuff than that in america i thought we were people who uh were robust and believed in uh someone recently said that the, the vaccine is contracting out your immune system 
system. You know, you're you're responsible for your immune system. I thought Americans realized. Uh, I thought Americans understood math enough to know that when the numbers started to emerge, we would we would recognize that children are not at risk of this. Relatively healthy people are not at risk of this. The majority of the population not at risk of this really at all. But those two events happened within a few months of each other and have accelerated America's problems to an immense degree to the point where even I am. Not going back on my word, I think conditions have changed, and maybe we we need to be more active politically, not just throw up our hands and say there's no there's no difference between the parties. I, I think for a long time that's been very very true uh, in the United States, and uh, since the spring of 2020, I I don't think it's been true. I think maybe uh, maybe engagement is called for. What I would say to to my fellow pro capitalist, uh, pro family, pro traditional values, pro distinction between the genders, pro doing what's right for kids, pro entrepreneurship, pro hard work folks is uh, in addition to working for the candidate you're working for, to voting, to giving money, you have to hold their feet to the fire, not in an insulting, nasty way, but the Republicans that are nominated, you know, the Republican Party has an incredibly poor record in this state of, of basically going along and getting along. So once you've got your nominees, by all means, if they're telling you the right thing, you know, work hard for them. The enemy <laughs> on the Democratic side, they are, they are appalling human beings. But while you're a partisan, while you're donating, while you're knocking on doors, never, ever relent on that candidate who may waver because the Albuquerque Journal writes something negative in an editorial about them, because somebody posts something online, uh, Facebook uh, group about them, because, you know, they don't support gun control, so they're a murderer. Uh, there's there are, A lot of these people are really super, super weak need, weak need. Uh, and they, we all, on some level, I'm maybe the only person alive who doesn't care whether I'm liked or not. I'm in a very, very tiny group of Maybe thirteen or fourteen human beings. Uh, so you're, um, you're at least two two people. There's uh, two people who don't care. in that group. I was just teasing them. I, I want to um, be. I want to be in that group. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well. I'm like the old. Remember the old advertisement for uh, Hebrew National hot dogs? You know, we answer to a higher authority. I, I don't. I, I consider you know principles and standards up above popularity. So it's not that I don't. I don't hold myself to any standard. It's just public opinion, I think, is a very base way of, of judging yourself. I think there are higher higher ideals up there. Uh, anyway, so uh, while you're doing what you're doing to to uh, hound and, and, and subvert and inflict damage on the bad guys, you've got to hold the guys, the people running as good guys to the fire too. And you've got to be there for them. Uh, they you know, all the institutions in New Mexico are working against good ideas, good public policy. Uh, but there needs to be that spinal strengthening, uh, on the Republican side that I've rarely seen in New Mexico. And frankly, it's not that prevalent coast to coast either. So you have to do two things. You have to work for the people you're working for and believe in and donate to, but you also have to hold them accountable. One of the things that Eddie, you know, I sent Eddie this, this email over the weekend that Rebecca Dow voted to end Columbus Day. Um, a lot of people I found in, in my home state of Connecticut here in New Mexico, you know, they'll go to the Republican Party meeting or whatever, they'll, they'll be told a line of bull. Nobody will ever really check these people's votes and see how cowardly they often are in the legislature or how, how often uh, bad legislation is signed by Republican governors. So there's nothing wrong with holding these people accountable. You're the people who give them your votes. You're the people who give them the, your donations. You're the people who pound the pay pavement for these people. And other than their supporters, all of the pressure in 
education, in media, in social media, uh, the unions, is all against people who claim to be for limited government, to be for entrepreneurship and capitalism and property rights. So when they're in your community, they tell you <laughs> what you want to hear, but then they have to go out into the larger world, which is implacably hostile to them. And oftentimes they crack. Uh, I would say folding is more the, the norm than not. So. By all means, do whatever you can for the candidates you believe in, but at the same time, you've got to hold them accountable uh, so that they don't end up being um, buddies, let's say, with Andrea Romero. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Well taken, I think well put. I think overall, I think what uh, doubt expects is what every voter expects or what every person expects out there, and that is simply that we are hiring these guys to do the job to change our state or to have our state remain the same. But in this particular case, I happen to think that, you know, um, in, in the case of Ron Ketty, if should he get through and very likely will, um, it's going to be hard to beat Ron Ketty twice with a Lujan. And I think that's kind of the, uh, you know, what I've been saying to everybody is the next governor of the state of New Mexico is going to, ha is going to be an Italian because I reserve that right also for Zanetti. Uh, based upon the poor polling that comes out, I think there is just not good. But, you know, Zanetti, Ron Ketty, Spaghetti, whatever it is that we're doing, uh, or, you know, however we can do it uh, uh, from where we're doing it, we've got to do what we can to keep pushing the change, to keep people here, to make New Mexico grow. New Mexico, I'm tired of hearing the word potential being placed next to it. I think it's terrible when we do it. It's an insult to each and every one of us not realizing our potential. We need to stop that. We need to just go ahead and uh, basically make this change and do it once and for all. And I think this is the time to do it because the rest of the states have already maxed out their growth. Arizona, Utah, Colorado, Texas, people can't move to these states anymore. They're literally just busted out. And if we change the state of New Mexico in the next 10 to 12 years, I think we can probably change uh, New Mexico if we put enough of this. But when I see these numbers that come in, like we're going to have sanctioned encampments or you know, we're going to do things like uh, $39 million worth of pot that has been sold in the month of may like i don't think that my kids are going to end up staying here for uh, for a state like this but uh let's get to these sanctioned encampments uh dow start queuing up the uh, voting results which should probably be released almost immediately i believe uh when we did the mayoral stuff i think we had uh three to four uh release of results i think the first one didn't come in until i think it was like 7 20 or so the next one was like about 8 10 and then the third batch came in at like 9 20 i don't think they could have cooked the books any more than they did for my mayoral election that's the way that i personally feel about it but you know we we uh, couldn't contest them they never supplied us with any results we spent the money we did the time we did everything we did and we learned a lot but i think it's uh, overall it was a really really good thing so doubt uh trudy jones reversed her vote it was originally four to five uh we stopped these sanctioned encampments and then she asked for a revote, from my understanding, is that the way this went? And then that's what they're reporting. After the yeah. revote, yeah. So they asked for a revote. Trudy Jones, in the near in the near Northeast Heights, your conservative city councilor, right, has decided to go ahead and change her vote along with Brooke Fasson. Now this is after a landslide, six three, uh, kind of five four, depending upon the way you're looking at it. But truly, a six three with Louis Sanchez, and you got Finkelborn. Trudy Jones, Bassan, uh, no doubt, uh, what's his name, 
Benton. Benton and Davis, definitely, yeah. Uh, but yeah, you, it, those are the two most progressive uh, thing. Basson went with Davis and Benton, as did Trudy Jones and Finkelborn, uh, or Feeblecorn, or whatever her name is. And, the th- and Dan Lewis and the other three um, uh, who are along there, uh, right beside, I, I, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I think even, uh, what is the South Valley, uh, Clarissa Pena? Clarissa, my, Clarissa. my anti-ART counselor. I always appreciate Clarissa. <laughs> I am not a fan of Clarissa. She knows yeah. that. She's been in the studio before. But even she voted against this whole entire thing. And the dangerous part about this is Albuquerque actually went more progressive than Santa Fe. If you look at Santa Fe, they actually have a place where they're going to have a sanctioned encampment. One place. They're doing it the right way in Santa Fe. And if you could believe it, in Albuquerque, they're going to do it the wrong way. I think it's at Consu- it's near Consuelos in Santa Fe. Yep. Yeah, I think is where they're going to have that. So I know exactly where that's at. We don't know where these encampments are going to be. This is absolutely totally ridiculous. Um, but hey, let's not forget uh, Dowd, Bas- Brooke Basson's a mother, just so you know. Just oh, right. You- oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah, I forgot about that. She's a mom. So. Uh, oh, she re- Dowd- reprodu- reproduced like 95% of all women throughout history. Oh, that's why we should respect <laughs> yeah. her. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> so, what does this mean for the city of Albuquerque? Well, we, we don't know what it's going to mean, but we do know that this goes right along with. What we've done in terms of putting the DOJ, you know, uh, uh, all over our Albuquerque Police Department. Let's not forget the conservatives who voted to go ahead and put that in place. I mean, we just have more and more corruption, more lackluster uh, uh, performance from our city councilors. This is not the thing that we needed to go ahead and and stop homelessness in the, the city of Albuquerque. I've got people... It's so disappointing to me. I'm getting a a text earlier today from one of my good friends. Just just listen to this. Just witness four people can walk into Walgreens and steal openly with no consequences. This is what the mayor and the DA support. That's Raul Torres. I don't know that Cologne is going to be much better than that in terms of Raul Torres. So we'll see what the results of that are going to be tonight. But, you know, Dowd, uh, on first pass, as soon as you saw this, uh, this couldn't have been surprising to you. Just interesting the way that it went down. Uh, Trudy Jones has been sort of the stalwart conservative uh, Republican representation in the city council. And she's caving uh, quicker than anybody, Dowd. Well, I think you make a really good point, Eddie, that you, it's not all sanctioned encampment policy is the same. Uh, if it's more of a, a citywide thing versus what Santa Fe seems to want to do, uh, I, I probably, in how many years have I been studying New Mexico public policy? I've never said anything nice about anything the city of the city government of Santa Fe has ever done. But as you said, it, it, the, it would be near an emergency shelter, which makes sense. Uh, it would be set up on city-owned property, the, the former college up there, uh, and it would have sort of basic quality of life stuff like trash pickup, which is pretty important. I, I was listening to an interview with uh, Michael Schellenberger, who's that guy running for uh, California governor, and I guess he's been really, really involved in uh, former former lefty, former green kind of lefty guy, and he was talking about how insane the, the California progressives are, and they, and they don't they don't believe in any cracking down on homelessness in any in any way or regulating it in any way. And he was talking about the crime problem, the idea that we're compassionate, so we're letting people live on the street where people are just you know raped and murdered, and it, public health is an issue. These people share needles, uh, and so the, they're 
you know, the, the Malibu types or the Santa Fe and Taos types, uh, they really preen themselves on how compassionate they are and they don't believe in law enforcement and they want to uh, defund the police and they want to hire social workers, you know, to run law enforcement. But uh, how compassionate is it to let these situations uh, proliferate where people people are just horrible, overdose and rape and assault and all these other things that are going on and they just don't, they, they're not willing to face that. Um, again, I, I can't can't believe that I'm saying Santa Fe might be doing this right, but uh, they might be. Kira Ochoa, director of the city's community health and safety department, said it wasn't the ultimate fix uh, for what appears to be a growing homeless community, but at least kind of a stopgap. Stop uh, to have people we really hope and wish we could uh, be housed, living in tents and sanctioned encampment doesn't make me jump for joy, but it's one way to prevent more illegal camps from popping up around the city. Uh, the officials in Santa Fe began looking at this in 2021. They did a draft plan for four, but now I guess they're going to limit it to just one. Again, that makes something more controllable, not you know popping up all over the city. Um, well, let's, <laughs> Dow, let's not forget. Let me let me interrupt here. Let's not forget that I was the one who was pushing this, and yes. uh, I think they were really surprised that uh, Diane Gibson, who originally you know went off with this, and I'm like, well, I want Diane Gibson's plan. That makes the most sense. The problem is, is you just can't have it create some sort of sprawl and going to a bunch of different directions, like. You could turn a portion of the fairgrounds during a, a particular time, and then sort of stretch it away from you know the um, uh, the you know because most of the homeless people are sort of in that area already, uh, as it were, and the interior of the fairgrounds would be completely and totally fine to go ahead and do that. Now you don't have the access that we would need, but I, I think it'd be better to pay rent to put the homeless people all there where you can house and feed and do everything on a temporary basis. I think that's where Santa Fe is going to move to these move these people through is to get them activated to do something with them so that they know where they they are. I hate to say it, but you know, and I'm not saying this about human beings, but I'm just to use the phrase bag and tag these guys and making sure where to put, where we can place, how they can get back up on their feet and out living life again. Like yeah, if they're and, and drug dependent and we've got to know we have to be able to control these things because what is the overall weight and cost on our police departments? What is it on our, you know, our fire departments with down and out calls and stuff that are happening? What is it on, on our criminal activity for the insurance claims that are being done on, on our citizens? I mean, overall, if you can just control this one issue, crime will be down significantly. I'm not saying violent crime necessarily, but a significant portion of our violent crime actually does come from our homeless people. The number of murders has certainly increased as we've had more and more homeless people people who are out there, a lot of stabbings and things like that, when they're fighting for uh, ways to go ahead and, and live. Santa Fe gets it right. Albuquerque's going to get it wrong. It's about having a centralized repository where you can, and it, it's worked in other places. I didn't just look at this as Diane Gibson's idea and say, let's run with it. I actually looked from city to city, and we found that there were several other cities that have had a central place to go to. Even yeah. like the tent city, when they were doing that with the prisoners, when they used to do that with Sheriff Joe Arpaio, <laughs> that worked for a long time because the last thing people want to do is wear these pink jerseys and, you know, get humiliated. Um, we're not saying that, but the good thing about those prisoners is they knew what the expectation was when they went into a place and they got back on their feet and they didn't want to do it again. And that's the whole entire thing is to try and get these people from point A to point B as quickly as possible with the least amount of blight and the impact on tourism, the impact on you know businesses, on, on every part of our life. 
daily. As you see homeless people, it changes your mood. It changes the psychological impact on you. It changes how you feel. You may feel, I mean, just having a homeless person around, your property value is immediately dropped, period. Mm -hmm. If you're trying to show a house and say, oh, no, that's not how it is, right? And then like, well, I just saw a homeless person over there. So it's like, well, there you go. I'm not going to buy the house. You have homeless people in your area. That's what people with money are going to do. You cannot increase the overall property value for anything as you continue to have a homeless problem that's growing. The only reason it's increased right now is because of the very, very cheap mortgage rates and the lack of housing that's being brought up. So you can't actually intertwine the two. So just just a little extra explanation there. I, I, thanks for letting me take the time there. Well, Eddie, just to circle back, uh, like, like the former uh, White House spokeswoman, when you're talking about uh, public services, and of course that means money out of your pocket, ladies and gentlemen, Santa Fe, according to this article, spent $3.4 million on cleaning up encampments last year. $3.4 million. And I, this is the number that really can't, it just boggles my mind because Santa Fe is not a big city. It's not Milwaukee or Miami or something. Uh, since April 2021, they've documented 291 separate encampments. 81 of them are currently active. 22 of those were, were reported in the last 45 days, all adding up to a $3.4 million cost clearing uh, 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 budget line budget line item for uh, Fantasy up there, and I got to believe your city workers or if you're contracting for this, not a lot of fun to clean these places up. You're talking about human waste. You're talking about drug paraphernalia. Cannot be easy. So uh, uh, sometimes Eddie, in public policy, there are no easy answers. It's not, and and the people who support these policies are saying basically this is a stopgap, uh, sort of middle of the road until we find something better. Uh, you know, until we get some kind of consensus we've got to defeat the uh these effete uh compassionate types who think it's uh, nice to let people live on the streets that's anything but compassionate if we have to go back to the old days of kind of mandatory institutionalization i realize uh, the state i come from connecticut in the eastern part of the state there was the uh the, the crazy hospital called norwich hospital and my parents and my grandparents' generation would, you know, if, if you were acting crazy, they'd say, oh, they're going to haul you off to Norwich and, you know, we'll never see you again. There were, you know, there were movies and documentaries and exposés written about how awful a lot of these places were. But I think ultimately the answer is we're going to have to institutionalize a fair amount of these people. And it's not going to be done the way it was done in the past. There's going to be way more transparency. You're going to have activist groups patrolling every one of these facilities, looking for every possible infraction. Uh, it's not going to be like uh, that movie with uh, Olivia de Havilland and the snake pit. Uh, it, times have changed. Uh, and I think that's going to be the ultimate solution. But as a middle of the road measure to at least get some control around this problem. It's, it's probably, uh, probably a good idea. And I think one of the candidates uh, running for Albuquerque was talking about that, but uh, I guess that, that disappears down the memory hole too. <laughs> it all does doubt. They don't expect it. We just uh, try to move the ball in sort of a different direction. And uh, they, the Santa Fe, uh, they get it right while we get it wrong. I wanted to uh, talk a little bit about uh, this was released by Lucky Leaf Expo. And it says Albuquerque, New Mexico, October 21st and 22nd at the Albuquerque Convention Center. Anybody have an idea what they might be talking about? Well, let me uh, give you a yeah, good idea. Man, I know exactly what it's all about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> New Mexico reports second stellar month of cannabis sales. The legal marijuana market in New Mexico continues to heat up. 
Numbers revised by the state's Cannabis Control Division this week showed the industry remains robust, with medical and adult use sales reaching $39 million in May. The market was fairly split between the two sectors, with medical bringing in $17 million and recreational $21 million. Regulators broke down sales by city in the report, with Albuquerque leading the pack, Santa Fe, Las Cruces, and they couldn't even spell Las Cruces. Las Cruces is Los Cruces, by the way. And oh, Rio yes. Rancho okay. also, yeah, Los Cruces. Like the Cruces. Yeah. <laughs> but the entire state... <laughs> Yeah, the the entire state is shaping up to be one of the most successful markets in the Southwest. They're literally bragging about its success. Want a chance to be a part of the land of enchantments? Green Rush, Lucky Leaf, Albuquerque is the top trade show for business-to-business cannabis and place-to-be current operators and industry hopefuls alike. Taking place this October 21st at the Albuquerque Convention Center, Lucky Leaf brings together the best and brightest the best and brightest. Wow, that's rich. From across the vertical for two days of education, networking, and fun. And probably a lot of toking. Are they going to be allowed to smoke on site? Now, this is the first thing that occurred to me. is like, oh, are we going to let them smoke marijuana at the convention center? Well, you can't stop them, right? And you can't, have, you can't stop anybody who's in possession of it. Right, so it, it, we folks, the criminals have the ball here. We we don't expected attendance four thousand. So I was thinking about renting a booth and being the anti pot broadcast in the middle of their pro pot uh, show. Bring it out, Berenson. Yeah, <laughs> if you guys uh, if you guys want to do this, well, by the way, I'm just I'm getting rid of my bank. Did I tell you? I didn't I didn't tell you this because guess who's uh, sponsoring? Guess who's sponsoring the pot oh, thing? There, there it go. is. There you go. My bank has well, my former bank. I, I'm going to go pull uh, the money out of there at the uh, end of the month, and I am pulling all of my money out of Southwest Capital Bank. One because no, Lonnie Talbert's no longer there, but two, they're sponsors of this event. Which, um, how is that even possible? Excel like, Energy is a sponsor. Holy cow! Wow, is that true? Yes, it's on the website. Oh my gosh! It's just really bad. Oh yeah, there it is. XL Energy, they're big. Uh, they're big donators for a couple of Republican campaigns, right? Is that is that true? Yeah, they they, they do they do the uh, electricity for Eastern New Mexico over you know Clovis Portales. Oh wow! No, unbelievable. All right, woke ass, broke ass New Mexico is the way that this is going. All right, uh, yeah. All right, Dowd. So. Uh, Another uh, thing coming into the Kiva. Uh, thank you. The U.S. Men's Net. How's the? Do, are they still on the winning streak over there at the New Mexico United? They're all about their. They they do pregame for them in the Albuquerque Journal, and they do postgame for them. Oh wow! They cover everything. Oh, it's it's all New Mexico, all New Mexico United all the time on in the Albuquerque Journal. They love it. Uh, U.S. men's national team calls for stronger gun laws. Be the change. Uh, this released yesterday. Thank you, Dowd, for bringing my attention to this. As part of its Be the Change campaign and a letter being sent today, U.S. men's national team of players and staff have implored the members of the U.S. Senate and House of Representatives to vote yes on stricter gun legislation, which will be taking up in the House and this weekend is being negotiated in the Senate. Now, let me say, 
Not only am I going to be yanking my money out of Southwest Capital Bank, okay, and it's the oldest bank, local bank. I was very excited about, you know, what we've been doing, but you cannot be a, a support what I do and then support what they do, um, or I think the pot industry, I should say. One of the things that uh, I was, you know, I, I think I told you the story. Did I tell you I was watching Fox News with my dad? He was suffering from a little bit of a toothache. Oh, by the way, if you have a toothache, here's what you should do to take care of it. Doc, this is from Dr. Summers directly. Go get oregano oil, roll it on a Q-tip, okay, and localize anesthesia. Boom. And it will knock that thing out. And my dad is, uh, his pain threshold is, isn't exactly high, Dowd. And nobody's really is, let's face it. You don't know what. No one, nobody knows how much pain someone can take. Someone's nine is another person's one. Who knows? Right, right, right. But the pain was wiped out from my father, so that was really good. Nice. So he's watching. So he's watching Fox News, and you know we're like, okay, they're talking about gun violence. So there's a shooting. There's a shooting in Chattanooga. There's a shootings. Uh, another mass shooting in Philadelphia. Well, there's uh, shootings in Chicago, and then uh, there's some some other shooting. I guess in some part of Phoenix. All right. Eight, eight hurt, one dead, blah, 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 mass shootings. Like, And Fox News is parodying this crap out on a Sunday afternoon. And I'm like, um, okay, they're not talking about race. No one's mentioning that these are happening largely in black communities. If, in case you don't know anything about Chattanooga, it's like 100% black, folks. Chattanooga is 100% black. So is Philadelphia for the most part. I think the – I think uh, – I think – uh, Philadelphia voted for Barack Obama, like 107% was the voting turnout <laughs> yes, or something yes, like yes, that. Yes. <laughs> yes. The children and dead people voted for Barack Obama. <laughs> and then uh, Chicago, like, you know, all these are all black neighborhoods. Not one mention of black people at all. Like, not nothing. It's like, oh, we couldn't do it. it and they, the, what was really interesting is, let's not forget, two years ago, this was the anniversary of the George Floyd weekend, Right. How do we avoid all of that? How do you know that your news is corporatized, including Fox News, right? Fox News is talking about all these, no mention of race, whatever. And then they cut to the black reporter in Atlanta. But we know that there's a white guy with blue eyes who has a target list. And he's included a number of Democrat operatives, including Gretchen Whitmer and then a couple of other black politicians and stuff. And they put up as they didn't show anything else. They just showed that that is the face of mass shootings. And they flashed a giant picture of a white guy with blue eyes. And I'm like, this is so formulaic anymore. Yeah. Like you make that one one white guy who's now responsible for all of the mass shootings. So it doesn't change their narrative. And more importantly, it didn't change the narrative that they wanted to make you remember. And if you look at George Floyd's neighborhood two years on, there's a Twitter. You can go see it. That place is completely, completely and totally uh, like it looks it looks worse than Watts, Los Angeles from back in the day. Like it is, it is awful how bad um, that area looks. And you can find the video. I think I watched it on Twitter, and, and I looked at all boarded up sh uh, shops. The place where he bought it from is also boarded up. The gas station has been like taken over. Uh, you know, there's just people who are hanging. They're hanging clothes on the bus stop lines on there. Go look at. Go look at the. You know that you know where you you know where you find the down and outs underneath the in the shelter down. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're they're right there. They're they're hanging their all their clothes and everything above 
inside the little bus stop things. It's about a 45, 50 second video as the man is uh, sort of traversing the George Floyd neighborhood on 38th and whatever it is, but it is absolutely uh, amazing. Just disgusting. So there you go. All right, uh, back to uh, wrap up the show, get the first results that are coming in. Uh, Dowd and I will start looking at some of those. Is there anything else that we missed out that you wanted to touch on today? Uh, no, it, uh, just an uh, interesting article on um, money being spent in New Mexico. Uh, it, it, I can't believe Source New Mexico did something interesting, but a lot of out-of-state <clears throat> money coming in for a state that usually is reliably blue. It kind of indicates to me, Eddie, that Republicans nationally may see some opportunities for pickups here at the governor's level or, or in this legislature. So kind of interesting, maybe hopeful. Yeah, why don't, yeah, why don't we touch upon that? You did send me that article. I did uh, read it, but what stood out for you? Um, I do know that the NRCC is uh, probably going to target a couple of our congressional districts. Obviously, Yvette Harrell's important despite them re- redrawing, but CD1 is certainly more advantageous to us. I'd go out on a limb and I'd say if Louis Sanchez wins, Mark Ronchetti will win the state. I think that's kind of everything is going to be won in CD1 uh, for the remainder of the state. We know that CD2 is going to be red as can be, especially with the gas prices where they are, and CD3 is probably going to start leaning a little bit more red, but that's probably all we needed to do. It doesn't need to become red. It just needs to lean a little bit more. We don't need to go Bill Redman on us, but uh, what did you find from these uh, numbers, Dowd? Well, what stood out was the, the if you're Yvette Harrell, and of course her district has changed, well, all the districts have changed to some extent, but uh, the Congressional Leadership Fund, that's a Republican uh, you know, federal, they, they target the, the U.S. House of Representatives, they have started buying uh, TV ad time on all four of Albuquerque's major broadcast networks. I certainly don't watch any of the local so-called news so i guess maybe maybe the next couple months i need to tune in for once in a while uh they sign contracts the end of may the spots will air between september 7th and at least uh october 11th uh, ahead of election day on the 8th of course of november they typically put the congressional leadership fund typically puts money behind republican candidates in the house but they've also committed to buying ads in el paso which of course will air in extreme southern new mexico which is yvette harrell's uh, uh district as well and i guess eddie the question to me is: Are they? Do they really see? And, and I, you know, I, I think one candidate is stronger than the other on the Republican side when it comes to CD one. Uh, you know, I, I think in a Republican wave election nationally, I think Yvette Harrell has a very good chance of being reelected. But do the national people look at CD one? Do they look at Melanie Stansberry, who who won in a special election, not a normal election? She ran against a very, very, very weak candidate, uh, and she also was able to tap this national network, uh, as you say, the the Udall gang. But you know, Emily's List and Planned Parenthood and all of those other horrible organizations and of course she doesn't have a husband or children or anything so she has nothing to do but go out and knock on doors um do they see her as vulnerable as impressive as she looked initially in a republican wave election against a potentially very strong opponent in louis sanchez do do the national boys see cd1 here and if you're my mother listening in connecticut that's basically the albuquerque district do they see that as a potential pickup for them very uh, intriguing possibility. are you are you are you asking me yeah, yeah. Yeah, the answer is yes. Okay. Um, you're only going to hear this one time, I'll say right now. There's already conversations that have been had. I mean, I'm, I'm, I know the sources. People have been in touch. Uh, the money is going to be there for the CD1 candidate. Uh, it will be there for one candidate. It likely will not be there for the other candidate. That's just the way that it is. So, um, uh, I yeah, think I know I where mean, you're the, going with that. <laughs> yeah, the memories, uh, the memories of these people are pretty long. They're pretty involved. They're not stupid. 
They've got money to spend, um, but I can tell you that if Luis Sanchez makes it through, there's no doubt in my mind that he has a very good shot of beating Melanie Stansbury. I mean, nobody even knows who their congressional representative is. Yep. yep. And that's going to account for a lot. I think she takes on way too much water for 22. She's not something that's going to float in uh, at all. She's going to have to fight. She hasn't shown herself. She didn't need to be an effective campaigner last time. I mean, Louis Sanchez, if he gets through this primary, as far as I'm concerned, he's your next He's your next congressional district. Wow, that, you're um, confident. <laughs> you are confident. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm very I, – I made the guarantee last week, too. I mean, that we are going to win the governorship. So whoever comes out tonight, uh, whether it's uh, Ron Ketty or Zanetti, that'll be your next governor of the state of New Mexico. I'm telling you right now. You're, you heard you're, it here. You're, you're saying it won't be Rebecca Dow? <laughs> it won't be Rebecca Dow. It won't be Rebecca Dow. It won't be Jay Block. I can assure you that. Yeah. So you're all, you're all good. I mean, I mean, I don't know how long I have to hold on to this stuff, uh, but, uh, you know, I guess until about, you know, six minutes before, you know, voting clears. But, you know, Ron Ketty uh, has run a no-mistakes uh, campaign. Flawless. And honestly, Flawless. that's what that's really what you have to do. He's already had, he's already been through the test. He ran for Senate against Lujan. I think if Ron Ketty gets through, there's zero doubt that he's going to be your next governor. Zero. Like, I'm telling you right now, we are going to we are going to turn every stone. We're going to find every Republican. Um, I don't I don't care who your attorney general is, but if they decide to even look in the general direction of Mark Ronchetti or Jay McCluskey or anything like that, uh, they'll have so much heat on them they won't know what to do. I'm telling you right now because uh, there's been enough mud thrown amongst the Democrats and they're so divided. I mean, let's not forget who Michelle Lujan Grisham is. Michelle Lujan Grisham is the, the, the woman who intimidated both Hector Balderas and Michael Padilla prevented them from running for, um, prevented them from running for uh, whatever, you know, governor. Michael Padilla got intimidated. How did he do it? The same way Andrew Romero went after Carl Trujillo, right? You just bring out these old peccadillos, yet this crotch grabbing, as Jay Block likes to put it, governor, which I think, you know, every single time Jay throws that out, the moment he says that, he he DQs himself for for governor. I mean, yeah. honestly, it's I mean, crude. if we're not doing you know, it, a lot of voters are turned off by that kind of crude talk. It just it's if you're not doing it better and cleaner than the other side, you just you're just not going to bust through. I hate to say it, but you know, I mean, Mister Clean has been been Ron Ketty, and you know, I guess some people have called you know Greg Zanetti the choir boy. Uh, I can tell you that you know, ten times out of ten, Greg is going to beat. You know, Michelle Lujan Grisham, I think he's a better candidate uh, overall, has been a better candidate in many ways than, than one Mark Ronchetti. I think he would govern better than Mark Ronchetti. But the honest thing is, who's probably more electable? Mark Ronchetti is more electable than, than Greg Zanetti. You know, so I think it's just that's kind of that's the way I see it. And that's this is well, coming from somebody who knows. Look. Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, Ronchetti has an advantage, Eddie, that I don't know you and I have ever really gotten into the depths of this, but. You know, the, 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 the record of the incumbent is the dominant issue in every race where, the, where an incumbent is running for re-election. So it's, it's, they're going to call him a lightweight, and they're going to say he's part of the Republican Party attached to Trump. But Michelle Lujan Grisham has a record. She has four years of pretty disastrous decision-making that directly contributed to a poor quality of life in this state. And as, I, don't, I think Ron Kennedy should not talk about himself a lot. I think it should just be a relentless 
dis, a relentless, dispassionate attack on MLG. Because I don't think the people in New Mexico hate MLG, but I think as long as he focuses uh, on countertop, what did George W. Bush say? How to put food on your family? That kind of the worries. You look at the polling data on people. They're so concerned about the economy. They're so concerned about inflation. I think a guy like McCluskey's probably clever enough to finesse these issues where Ronchetti doesn't end up looking like a hatchet man, but at the same time, he's pointing out the failure of the incumbent. That's every political operative's dream to be able to run on that. And I think they'll probably do a pretty damn good job on it. Well, I, I think that uh, the machine just needs to stay clear out of the headlines, needs to stay out away from everything. They're going to try and tar and feather, you know, Jay, uh, Jay McCluskey as much as they can. And, you know, it's going to be my job uh, all the way through to, you know, rook the king and basically become... No, I'm, I'm serious. And no, become no. the queen and be out in front. And I mean, I'm probably one of the only people that is really feared by, I think, the other side. And I'm like... If they're going to attack me, they need to do this like attack within the next month or two, right? I mean, what else are they going to do? They got to win Albuquerque. If they end up with Raul Soros, they lose. If they end up with Brian Cologne, they lose. You put Cologne next to Michelle uh, Lujan Grisham, and then you've got a divorced Howie, and then all the peccadillos that go along with that. I mean, the fodder is rich. And I'm just going to say, you know, Mark Ronchetti, you know, is the cleanest guy that, that there is. Don't touch him. Don't touch his family. Don't touch a hair on his head. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like... <laughs> He has never been in this uh, uh, before. You can't do anything. He's our likable weather guy, and we're going to make him appeal because he already does, in my opinion, appeal to everybody. He just needs to keep doing what he's doing. He needs to stay out of the fracas, set up for the debates, and then we just basically knock it down. And there's just the, – the, the Michelle Lujan Grisham has donated so much to the Mark Ronchetti for governor campaign. <laughs> Indeed. Like – Ever, like the long list of items that she has provided for us to take her out. If we don't take advantage of this, I need to find a whole new, maybe tennis, badminton might be something I might be in tetherball. I might jump into the professional tetherball ranks. Uh, you know, I don't know. Uh, I, I need to go find a new profession because if we don't get this done, uh, not only is is uh, uh, our Republican not going to be governor of the state of New Mexico, um, but you know, not only will I not have a business to, to go on going forward, because what else do I have to sell? I've got nothing to sell. I've got nothing to, and we don't have to sell anything because this, this is the kind of stuff that sells itself as far as I'm concerned. We don't have, we don't have businesses. I'm going to move to a red state, likely, probably, going to be more than likely, I'm heading straight down to El Paso. You know, I'll go to El Paso or I'll go to like, like Catalina. Yeah, yeah, I'll be saying, you know, I don't want my kids to raise, be raised here. I got to go find another place. Like this state is Dunsky. There is not there is no 2024 as far as I'm concerned. So, if we don't get this done with our Republican and throwing my name on that ticket, though it's, you know, Peggy or Mueller Aragon, I think is only going to help that Ron Ketty piece. I think it's good. So I think that that's much better than somebody we don't even recognize. Like, what is Ron Ketty Thornton? I don't even know what that is. It sounds like a right. sounds like the name of a law firm. <laughs> we right. mean business. Ron Ketty Thornton. Ron Kenny and like, Thornton. No, no. CPAs. <laughs> like we're we're marketing to low information and Ant's a hell of a nice guy and you know I think he's uh, he's been involved and I've seen at a lot of Republican events but you know they're going to use that Obama stuff against him and you know a tall black guy in 
a cowboy hat. It just it's, it seems like we're catering or a little bit too much. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, as far as the yeah, marketability yeah. of that. So yeah, you know, yeah. I'll, but I'll do my best to go ahead and 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 get behind everybody. I'm going to help if Ant gets through. Great, uh, happy to do that. If it, whatever we've got out there, I'm just going to you know we'd be trying to get us and our audience making sure they're participating getting on board uh, with whatever we can do because obviously they I, and i don't want what happened to me during my run for mayor to happen to ron ketty or to zanetti i don't want that to that to go on i mean i would even say if any of the other three won either i don't want that to happen like i don't think there should be pieces of the republican party working against itself during the general election like that is just it's the stupidest thing it's like I, I i literally was just racking my brain like are you guys so stupid bill ream are you so stupid that you're, you're literally not going to help build the stuff because you don't like me like i will i'm i, I i'm it's not like i'm just going to go away tomorrow like you couldn't even fear that and i told bill ream i, I sort of said half jokingly to him i was like i'm going to primary you hopefully hopefully you're looking forward to retirement you know, but, you know, I don't have the time to go develop a candidate to run in him and do that. You know, if I was that type of guy, if I was vindictive, you know, if I didn't, sure, I might be willing to do that. Am I going to take the time? Like, no, I don't really care, you know, enough about being vindictive. I don't need to settle scores or get even or any of that stuff. That's just not the way I work. You know, for me, this is big picture stuff. This is me thinking about how we have an opportunity to sort of, uh, you know, change the state. This is the last time to do it. And I hope that you guys, you know, all get on board and decide to actually, you know, do such a thing. I, it would, it would make my heart happy. It'd make me happy. Um, the level of poverty, the level of problems that we have, you know, the issues, just everything. There's so much that we can avoid if we can just get this one thing right. And Karen Bedoni, I'll be placing a phone call and she's going to, she's going to yell and go crazy. I can just feel it now. Ah, I got it. I'm gonna, and all I said, I've got your recording that says you're a lifelong Republican, always have been a Republican, always will be a Republican. And I'll say, Karen, what are you doing? Okay, you're not going to run this state from Mexican Springs, uh, New Mexico. Okay, this isn't going to happen. And you know she's got she's got badass popular appeal, but that badass popular appeal. I mean, you're setting yourself up. You're setting the state up for failure because that margin of victory over Michelle Lujan Grisham come November. I mean, look, gas is going to be six bucks in New Mexico, folks. Yeah, yeah, could like, be. If yeah. that doesn't get her unelected with the COVID shutdowns. I mean, the rest of you guys are just total morons and idiots. If you think that you're going to live in New Mexico through another four years of, of Michelle Lujan Grisham and you have the means to move, I will make you move. I'll literally set up moving companies to help you move just so you can live a better life because I won't even know what else to do with myself. You think I'm going to be able to survive another four years of Michelle Lujan Grisham? Nobody will. Nobody will be able to do that. You need to understand who it is that this woman is, regardless of the PR and the stuff that's coming out, and what she represents. She represents the Democrat Party and them wielding their big, ugly sword here uh, in the state of New Mexico where they use this as their petri dish. Let's get to some results uh, here after we take a break and do some commercials, and we'll get the first uh, part of those results probably about 15 or 20 after. They'll start their little drip drip process and then first as as soon as we get the first results we'll give our closing commentary and then you can uh i guess you can send it over to alonzo baldonado and uh 
Mo Maestas and uh, the home for New Mexico politics on oh KANW. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm only getting off so I can listen to that that ridiculous uh, show. If you wrote me a check for three hundred thousand dollars, I wouldn't listen to that. <laughs> oh yeah, I know. You know what? I know you would listen to it, and you have all the commentary in the world. So let's take a one last break, and then we'll be back to uh, wrap it up and get the uh, results. And uh, congratulations to uh, Greg Zanetti for running a great campaign as well as Luis Sanchez and uh, as well as to Mark Ronchetti for running a, a great campaign and you know the rest of you guys who didn't spend money on the Kiva um, you guys get what you get I'm totally fine with that all right uh, back after a uh, break here in the Kiva on am 600 rockoftalk.com back in five all right, six eleven or seven eleven here in the Kiva here on election night, and uh, I don't know what that is. I guess that's Billy Squire. Is that who that is? Uh, Lonely is the night. Uh, similar in looking. Eric needs to say what music that is. I I couldn't recognize it, which is a rare thing. Um, Eric, who who, who was that playing? Oh yeah, that sounded more Billy Squire than Led Zeppelin. So. Uh, there you go. That uh, shows you how much I know. The Rock of Talk knows nothing about music. Okay, so Dowd, uh, lay it on us uh, here. Um, what uh, early results have come in thus far, Democrats and Republicans? Anything? No, uh, nothing on the statewide races. It looks like some legislative numbers are coming in. Uh, let us see. Oh, no. Oh, Eddie, we're still waiting. Uh, Maggie Tulu is all over. Maybe she isn't as uh, on the ball as she claims to be. <laughs> uh, we, we, oh, she's Michelle on something. Grisham has won 100% of the 9,609 votes cast for the Democratic nominee. <laughs> okay, so that's... Uh, oh, okay, uh, we do like have some Republican results. Uh, out of 1,800 votes cast, Mark Ronchetti has won almost the first 1,300. He's getting 70% with very, very early results coming in. <laughs> okay, there you go, some early results. Uh, everyone's sitting on pins and needles. I think the uh, watch parties are out uh out and about uh thankfully i don't have to attend any of them which i'm i'm pretty pretty excited you know these uh, i don't know if anybody remembers when i did this um i didn't even have a watch party it was like um i'm just trying to get to the second round i'm trying to create a force of runoff here <laughs> about about that i was like uh how come you're not having a watch party eddie you need to reward all your volunteers i'm like uh well because we're not gonna we're not done volunteering <laughs> we got the campaign more, continues yeah the campaign <laughs> will continue after this like i'm, I'm not going to run away with it you, do you know what everybody tells me all the time it's like uh you would have won if you would have gotten there earlier i'm like oh there would have just been more complaints about me because i don't know that i would have won i'd have had to did if i got in any earlier i'd had to deal with uh five times as many lawsuits who knows you guys would have just been filing stuff against me just to file stuff against me like i don't know i i don't think i could ever run for office again doubt honestly i just think it's <laughs> it's not worth the headaches you know plus you don't get plus you have to watch your p's and q's you have to behave as a candidate and you know i don't know that i could have run a you know, I call uh, Ron Ketty no mistakes, but, you know, name one mistake I committed during my entire campaign. Not a single thing. So, you know, 
Okay, I'm doing this just to reverse jinx myself. I'm such a negative human being that a lot of times I will say the opposite of what I believe just so I could be proven wrong and end up enjoying what I actually want to happen. Uh, This gets Uh, very complicated with a twisted brain like mine. Okay, Uh, go ahead. Louis, the initial result, Louis Sanchez is only getting 36% of the vote, but it's very early, very early, very early. Okay, there you go. We'll see what happens. So, um, anything, uh, Eric? Did you vote? Did you uh, go out and vote? Did you show up as a primary voter? Or are you generally a primary voter? I am registered independent. Oh, there you go! Wow, that's interesting. Go. So that's might be a lot of a lot of Kiva listeners are. I'd probably say about a good uh, quarter of our listeners are probably independent. Yeah, I'd yeah, say. I think so so that, yeah, given the way that um, some of the Republicans have been, you know, God, you sometimes you can't tell the difference between the Republicans and the Democrats. Doubt. They're like I the used same to ask people, people years ago, Eddie. I, I used to say, uh, "Tell me three things Steve Pierce was for when he ran for governor of twenty in twenty eighteen," and people couldn't tell me one thing he he was running for. If you remember, his ads were, uh, "Let's make more movies here." I like teachers. I mean, there was there was nothing, and he did have that disadvantage. It was an open race; he didn't have to run against a failed incumbent. That is an enormous advantage that Mr. Ron Cutie has. Mr. Ron Cutie currently, again, uh, early results: seventy percent of the vote. And I, I think, I mean, he may not end up getting seventy percent, but I think he probably will get the plurality. And Eddie, I can say that now because the polls have closed, and I'm not trying to influence the election anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Dowd, you're making it happen. Don't you know that you're that's making right, it happen? Right. Yes, I, I'm you an know, influencer. I'll, yes, yes. <laughs> I like how every I like how everyone's like that. I need to hate Mark Ronchetti. I was like, let's not let's not forget let's not forget it was John Block who lodged all those things. I was just angry at the time because I sort of you know misunderstood the whole U.S. Senate process. So you know what? It probably would have helped me if I would have lost uh, all this weight prior to running for mayor. Then I, you know, but I would never get in shape so I could run for office. That is definitely not something that's in my personality wheelhouse. I think I'm like the anti-candidate, you know, sort of like you have the anti-hero in Deadpool. I was sort of like yes, the anti-candidate. Yes, yes. Han Solo. Everything. Yes, the yeah. Everything. Yeah, the guy that's going to walk into the room and piss everybody off with his. Do you think? Do you think Han just kept a Wookiee just to make people angry? Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do you think so? But who would you rather be when the chips are down and, and when you're in a ditch than with Han Solo? At the end. He was there at the end. Right? Yeah. He was, he's always there. Yeah. Uh, speaking and he of was villains, always... um, uh, Rebecca Dow, only at 7%. She's running oh. fourth in the Republican race. And I think I, if I see that continue, I'll be, I'll be a happy man. <laughs> yeah. What's the, uh, what's the, what are the other, give us the other, where's the netty? Where's block? Where's, where's my heart? Does she have a vote yet? Uh, she is. Uh, she's really kind of close to Rebecca Dow, actually. Uh, running, running fifth. <laughs> uh, uh, Ron Kenny at seventy. Uh, Zanetti, who I predicted uh, will be number two, uh, running at eleven. Jay Block at ten. Rebecca Dow at seven, and Maharg at two. Huh, there you go. All right. I mean, I think it's not bad for the eventual winner out of all this to you know have over fifty percent on the Republican side. Helps, yeah. I think that helps a lot. I, I would love to see that. So if Ron Kenny gets over 50%, I mean, I'm not going to be upset about that in, in the least. I'm totally fine with that. Eddie, if I'm not if so. I'm not mistaken, the uh, uh, Mr. Trump in 2016, I don't think he ended up winning a, a majority of the primary votes, but then he ends up 
getting the nomination and then winning the presidency. So, you know, politics is weird. Well, they broke the mold for that guy for everything. I mean, he broke the mold. I mean, let's face it. Uh, they had to accuse him of cheating because he was so popular. Yeah. And then they had to, then they got away with their own cheating and then tried to justify it by saying that Trump was cheating. That's what you do when you're <laughs> that's what you do when, Yeah. That's what you do when you're a Democrat. Or in your you're in an abusive relationship, I should also say. So that's the other thing. Yeah. Um did you have did you get a chance to see Top Gun yet? No, I was going. I was going to go Monday, but I was on deadline for the Andrea Romero piece. I, it might be next Monday. Oh, okay. All right, all right. You got to check that out. There's so much red, white, and blue pumping in there. Ten more minutes, and then we'll uh, shut it down. Kind of uh, letting go. Eric, have you seen Top Gun yet? Not at this time, but I that will definitely go to the theater for that one. Okay, good. Yeah, you got to do it. Doing the IMAX. Uh, this weekend is, uh, speaking of, uh, did Steve Pierce really do a commercial on more movie making in the state of New Mexico? I have this very clear memory of an ad where he's surrounded by, you know, lights and cameras and equipment and like, oh, we need to make more movies here. Yes. The, you mean the industry that funds your opponent, the industry that funds the union goons who work for your opponent. Oh, okay. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Oh, God. It's so annoying. God, that I didn't know that. Sometimes well, I just got to. You know, you, you've been talking for weeks about uh, you know whatever you think about McCleskey. It's just execution, execution, execution. Yeah, and, it's just like you know you you're, you hired a, a, a vi well actually your video team for your mayoral race when we did the wonderful uh, 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 live event uh, that we streamed on Facebook. That was a video event actually filmed. In downtown Albuquerque, same venue that appeared on Better Call Saul a couple weeks ago when Jimmy had the boxing match with um, Howard. Uh, it was the same room. And I have yet to tell my nephew and my sister that I did a television program in the exact same place that uh, they did the boxing match on Better Call Saul. But uh, anyway, I went over to your uh, your team there, the, the, the video production people, and I said, you know, guys, you just knocked it out of the park tonight. You did such a good job on this video production. I'm just somebody who would – I don't even care what your business is. If you – are competent, and I think the competence problem, I bash New Mexico a lot, but frankly, I think our whole country is facing a competence problem. Boy, pe people are letting things slide in this country lately. I walked over to you guys, didn't even know who any of them were, and I shook their hands, and I said, guys, you knocked it out of the park tonight, and I'm really proud to have been a part of this, because you really executed perfectly, and you know, you, you gotta give it to Ron Ketty. Same, same story there. You know, uh, I don't know if you know this or not, I, I never told you this, but I'll say it now. Did you know that uh, I did that in Pat Davis's warehouse, and he doesn't—he didn't even know that he gave it to me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that made it even more delicious. <laughs> yeah, so uh, that warehouse actually belongs to Pat Davis, believe it or not. Yeah, mm -hmm. so uh, I knew that going in over there. He didn't know that I did that whole anti-mask, anti-vax thing over his plays. <laughs> Which he would have just been turning over in his little progressive, his oh, little, yeah. uh, his his little, uh, you know. He, he also not only that, he also shot a black man. Are you aware that Pat uh, Davis we pulled are, the we've trigger on about a black that. man? Yes, uh, okay. yes, yes. Well, yes. I, I didn't know if you did, so I wanted to remind you and our audience that <laughs> Pat Davis has actually. Uh, black lives matter to every progressive except to Pat Davis. He he will he will literally pull a gun on a black man. So there it is. Now he was a cop. We'll be fair. Um, <clears throat> and I don't know the situation, and I don't care to know the situation. So, um, but there's a lot of little surprising little cool tidbits that we did during the campaign. I mean, 
Um, you know, getting those signatures like impeccably, 3,305. Um, I already was prepared for the challenge. I actually sent uh, one of our friends who I now think is on the other side uh, the link to my website, IHateEddieAragon.com. <laughs> Which, by the way, has had like more than eight thousand views. I mean, people can't even believe I registered that domain, and then I drove them. I drove them to a place where I told them everything that was happening, and all the people who hated me. And I literally, before they even filed a suit, I literally told them who was going to file the suit and how they were going to do it, like weeks ahead of time. I, I played it out for them, and then they did it. <laughs> Seven moves ahead. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I literally said that. I'm like, oh, yeah, this person's going to do this. Let me make this video. So um, it's like that. There's a really important piece in the Top Gun movie um, where Tom Cruise basically has everything prepared before his the guy who hates him, played by John Hamm, who's his the commander. Yeah, John is John's very effective. John Hamm okay. is a. I really like him. I, it made me want to watch Mad Men. He's he has a fine such command that John Hamm. <laughs> he has such no, and you know what? He has such presence. Yep, he yep. has such presence. I thought he was like the perfect foil for for Tom Cruise, like pound for know, pound, man for man. He was in Maverick. Oh, I gotta go. He now. is. I, in, I, yeah. I oh, it's a great. It's it's great. And uh, the guy that uh, the guy that gets kicked into the hole on this is Sparta. He's the uh, he's the other guy, and they somehow. Somehow it's really cool. They matched his voice. They matched his voice to Jester's voice. Uh, Michael Ironside. Do you remember Michael oh, Ironside? Yeah, yeah. Oh, cool. Ironside, come on. So they matched his voice uh, to that guy, like almost perfectly. So like everything, this replication gets like the next generation to be totally involved. Like this movie needs to have a hundred points of Rotten Tomatoes. That's how good it is, right? And I don't care how formulaic and contrived it is. Like the movie is everybody I've talked to, it's better the second time around. Like oh wow! That's, that's wow. how good. This, oh yeah, it's. And then the the start of the movie, with the the way that he's just sort of uh, tinkering in his workshop and he can't leave the hangar, like the way that they were able to create his whole entire um, this sort of persona about him that he's the guy that just can't get away from planes and speeds and he doesn't care about rank. He just cares about winning, you know, <laughs> like it is so good. It is so good. But, um, Dowd, I think you're going to enjoy the opening sequence of events more than anything that you've seen in the theater. As long as you see it in IMAX and okay, okay. you will, you will, I'm serious. Like it literally gets you from the get go. You, you actually think, like all of the, we might as well hang the Star Spangled Banner and the Stars and Stripes inside of Tom Cruise as he's attempting to break the sound barrier. I mean, as he's attempting to break Mach Ten. Wow. It's just amazing. Yeah, that, it's so are, good. Do we uh, do we only have a couple IMAX theaters in town, or are they, are they everywhere? Or do I have the to one you want to go to? Is it, yeah, Theater Fourteen at uh, at Winrock. That's the one Winrock. you want to go to. So okay, yeah. So that's the theater that you want to uh, go Eddie, to. On, just, the, uh, on the tomato meter, uh, audience score for <laughs> Top Gun Maverick ninety nine percent. Yes. I, 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 this one, I I mean, given given the fact that tr critics are just all left wing. You know, people who graduated from Wellesley. Uh, uh, 97, 97% on the critics. You don't get that kind of agreement at Rotten Tomatoes. I mean, wow. 
You know what's amazing? Um, we just said that the critics were 96 before. Those same 4% went back to go see it a second time and up the ante. It's like they tried, it's like trying to punch through titanium. Like you can't get it. The, 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 the movie is bulletproof. Even when they jump the shark, you're wanting them to jump the shark. Please. Does that make on. sense? <laughs> bring it yeah. You're like, please do exactly what I the hope. Payoff. We want I- the payoff. <laughs> yeah. You're actually asking for the part that you would think that would never happen in the movie or in real life you're you're begging for it to happen because you don't want you don't want your hero to go away and you're hanging there on the end oh yeah the whole thing and then the the timing there's this whole thing about time and where they have to achieve and blast through and you know american excellence and performance oh it's all right there all right but speaking of uh performance and excellence and execution we have any numbers uh from maggie uh, yeah, Ron Ketty is uh, the domination is not as top, not as not as overpowering. Uh, he's down to sixty three percent of the vote. Uh, kind of curious here at this particular moment, still early. The uh, Mr. Block and Ms. Dow are tied at fourteen percent, and the generals down at eight percent. So I don't think that'll last, though. We're going to see a lot of lead changes, uh, or let's say second, third, and fourth changes over the over the, as the night goes on. Huh, maybe this just will be a referendum on Kiva. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how about Ann Thornton, Peggy? Uh, okay, I'm looking at Garcia Holmes and Sanchez, sixty. Garcia Holmes, forty. Louis. Um, let's let's. Uh, hey guys, let's get that one right. Uh, let's see, Lieutenant Governor. Uh, Howie's getting 100 percent on the Democratic side. Uh, Peggy mm. is getting 35 against Ant 65. Mm, okay. 5,600 votes cast. Yeah. Uh, all uh, all in the area. There we go. Uh, all right. I guess uh, we'll watch. I guess it's time to go ahead and flip it on over to KANW for the uh, real I'll just analysis. i with the final uh, Democrat side. Uh, Raul Torres, who, uh, according to Albuquerque Raw, uh, a couple years ago released the guy who committed a vehicular homicide a couple days ago uh, because this the Raul Torres screwed that up. Uh, that's great. Uh, he is 50-50, dead 50-50 with Brian Colon. Yeah. There it is. Okay. Yeah, I think these numbers, I think the outcomes of everything that you're seeing early on will very likely hold up. I actually think that based on what we're seeing right here, right now, and the way that these run their campaigns, um, you're probably going to end up seeing, you know, probably right around, you know, where Ronchetti is, where Dow, where Block, where I think that's kind of what you're going to see, like, throughout the rest of the night. I think you're going to see, you know, our numbers reflected in there in terms of, you know, people who listen to us and the way it goes. So that's good. Um, and you'll see that, I think, of course, with Zanetti. But you'll also see a lot of that spillover with Ronchetti because, uh, you know, we've also haven't been in any way, shape, or form. I think Louie... Louis is the only show, uh, race I'll be really watching with any sort of edge of my seat, uh, you know, uh, you know, glance over. So we'll see how that goes. What and, did I warn about a know? couple weeks ago? I said if the Bernalillo County Republican can, uh, Party can screw something up, they will. So yeah. heed my warning, people. <sighs> yeah, that is true. All right. Well, I hope Louis gets through, but uh, we'll see what happens. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We're back tomorrow with the results and then a whole lot more. All right, here on AM 600 KIVABQ.FM, rockoftalk.com. I think Louis can do it.